against the ropes, number one. That's where the power comes, when a fighter gets loose in there. Good body shot there by Sims that sets up the top. He's down again. This is not competitive at all. The referee waves it off, and Anthony Sims Jr., the magician, makes yet another opponent disappear early on. 16 straight knockout wins. He is 17 and up. Welcome to another episode of Against the Ropes. I am Gio Garcia. I am alongside Christian Mosqueda and Christian Rodriguez. What's up, guys? How we doing? So, so doing good, doing good. All right, so we have a very special show today. We have a very special guest, and I'll let you guys do a very special introduction. Well, this is the magician, Anthony Sims Jr., 17-0, 16 knockouts, 16 straight. Man. 23 years young, brother. Tell us, how, how, how do you feel being here? I feel good. I'm happy to be here. I'm alive. I'm breathing. You know, 17 wins, 16 knockouts. Wasn't accidental. Mm-hmm. Mm. Man, I got to I gotta start from the beginning, brother. You've had uh, some big interviews in the last couple of weeks. For those that don't know who you are, who haven't seen these, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up? Okay. Well, my name is, like I said, Anthony Sims Jr. I grew up in Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, came from a good home, good upbringing, um, you know, family-oriented household. But I was dealt a bad hand at a young mm-hmm. age. Lost my father. Um, lost the ability to read and write. Was in reading comprehension classes, speech classes up until, I want to say, sixth grade. And um, then on the, the boxing you know, behalf, started boxing, turned professional, and just kept signing with the wrong promoters mm. and eventually signed with Don King and I got sat a whole year <clears throat> and signed with Eddie Hearns and here I am the so, magician <laughs> the magician did you name yourself or what no I gave it to uh, you yeah I got there's two reasons I got the name first reason I got the name is because I was at the gym and uh, the stuff I was doing they said it was magical I didn't think so you know just typical hit the bag peanut bag you know but, this guy uh, just said you make people disappear absolutely is that, true? that that too <laughs> not not uh, not literally <laughs> But they say they call me a magician because, you know, after all of what happened to mm-hmm. me, Alakazam, Abacadabra, here I am. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's cheesy, but that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's. I, li- I like the nickname. I appreciate it. I like it at first, it was Sugar, but we changed it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you look like him, so. No, <laughs> <laughs> I see you. I can see it a little bit. Sugar Leonard? Yeah, I like Sugar Ray Leonard, actually. Yeah. Is, he your, is he your favorite all time great? Um, yeah, people think I watch Ali, but like I've never really watched mm. the video of Ali too much. Okay. Um, I've watched like you no know, Ali Frazier, but Sugar Ray Leonard, absolutely. Yeah, that's interesting because I was watching one of your fights and the <coughs> way that you were moving around the ring, the commentator mentioned that. He's like, you can tell his favorite boxer is Ali, but the way that he moves around. Yeah, me and Sergio had some words after that fight. <laughs> so don't you ever do that, dog. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, but I mean, basically, you could say Ali, Sugar Ray yeah. Leonard, except the same coach. They were you know, brought up the same way. But I just like the sweet science of boxing. My brother, um, some of the interviews you've seen, you have, I feel like you're on like on a small crusade. You talked a lot about um about purpose. Mm-hmm. What is your purpose, bro? Um, so my vocation, which is you know your purpose in life from God, and then my blessing, you know they correlate. They're mm-hmm. one. So boxing is my gift. Mm-hmm. You know it's God given. It can be taken. It can be given. So what I do is I use, you know, my gift to fulfill my purpose. Mm-hmm. My purpose is, you know, being a voice for the unspoken, mm-hmm. mentally ill. Um, handicapped uh, people that aren't heard on a daily basis mm-hmm. so I'm using my platform to use it you know talk about things that aren't cool talk about things that's actually there problems that's there that people won't speak on whether that's you know um, you know mental illness sexuality 
you know your ethnicity you know mm-hmm. problems that people deal with on a daily basis but because of people's i say uh, their fame or because they want to be cool or because they care about how they're looked mm-hmm. upon they won't speak on it mm-hmm. so nobody else gonna say it, i'm gonna say it. yeah how did you get to that stage do you have like <coughs> some ogs that you talk to or your mother or or is it just through like personal um experiences um i would say both well, i've said before it takes a village to raise a child so I was, you know, brought up, I say, oh, geez, you know, random cats that saw I was doing something wrong or doing something right and, you know, put their two cents in. Mm -hmm. My mother, she installed all the things I say I needed in order to be successful, all the rules and, you know, what to do, what not to do. But it's up to me to listen, you know, follow through. And that's when the OJs came in and told me, look, dog, if you do this, these are the consequences. If you Mm -hmm. do this, these are the consequences. And, you know, they gave me the game. And I decided I'm going to listen to it, do it, and I'm just, you know, reach one, teach one. They told it to me, so now I'm going to share it with the world. Man, um, <clears throat> so in in the Hispanic culture, it's very uh, prevalent to to keep things inside and act tough, act macho, macho. man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you have to say to those people that? Well, um, so my mother, her father's from La Havana, Cuba. So Ooh. my mother doesn't really speak Spanish, nothing like that. I didn't come from a Cuban household, but mm-hmm. I understand. And um, it's it's crazy because you know you're brought to be the you know the man of the house, the provider, mm-hmm. you know, to be everything and be strong and never so weakness. But when you do that, all you do is hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. It's like taking poison. Mm-hmm. You keep taking it, you're only hurting yourself. So I say to you know Mexican households or the men, it's okay to release how you're feeling, to talk to your loved one, your family, your kids, to open up and be vulnerable towards them. To the world, no, you can be the tough man, a macho man, whatever the case is, but don't hold that in because when it comes out, it's not going to come out the way you want it to or you expect it to. Mm-hmm. Is boxing your therapy? Um, Actually... I would say yes and no. Boxing was a therapy, as I say, as a child, you know, or at least how I was feeling because I was angry and confused and didn't know. Well, angry and confused, and I didn't know how to, you know, how to talk about how I felt. Mm-hmm. But um, if anything, it's just, it's peaceful. People say, you know, boxing, I go and release my aggression and anger. I don't feel any of those things on the ring. The crazy thing is, this is the only place where I feel safe at. You mm. would think, you know, mm. it's a dangerous place. But in the boxing, I can control what happens. I see mm. what happens. I dictate anything that happens. Mm. And I can always react in my own time. It's my world. Outside of boxing ring is why I feel so unsafe. Yeah. Right? Mm. But I would say um, what I do for peace, uh, spend time with my family, my girlfriend, skating, low riding. Yeah, That's find a hobby, you know? Mm-hmm. So I would mm. say it to anybody else who you knows stressful or you know this feeling, these type of things, you don't have to always go and do something that's, uh, you know, aggressive, a sport, be mm. anything, hobby, painting, uh, poetry, pottery. Mm. So, Brother, um, brother Anthony, um, Brother Anthony, I need a church. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm part of a male success lines here on, on campus, bro, and I I feel like when you you see people with that same energy, I I'm usually call them brother. Yeah. I just it comes out of me. But your profile picture, I thought he was a priest. <laughs> <laughs> Graduation. You got the church clothes on yeah, too. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm sure I don't cuss on here. He's like, he's probably Christian. Yeah, I told my just, girl. Just, just his me. name is Christian. It is? Wow. My name is Christian. Yeah, but I told my girls, so like, he's probably a Catholic, so when we get in here, they're gonna be like, let us pray. <laughs> <laughs> we should see after the show oh. oh man So I have a question How do So a lot of people do keep it inside How do you try to you know, Approach those people How do you find out with if, if they're not getting it out How do you find out mm-hmm. um, And energy and vibes is everything I say <laughs> the energy you put out into this world This universe it comes back So when you put that energy out Towards people You can see how they react If I give you nothing but just positive vibes And good vibes mm-hmm. And you still don't react to it it's not necessarily you don't like me 
or you know, whatever the case is, you, you can just tell. It's like throwing a ball at a wall. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's a soft wall, it's not going to bounce back. But if it's solid, you know, like you, it's going to bounce back. So you just not put the energy out there. I can tell. Or you can walk up to people and sense it. They're sad. They're angry. They're confused. Whatever the case is, you can sense it. You know, mm-hmm. it's like a, it's like smells. You walk into a house, you smell garlic and tomato sauce and cheese. You know, it's either pizza, mm-hmm. or hopefully, yeah, hopefully, <laughs> I, hopefully it is. But you know, it can, it can only be so many yeah. things. Same way with yeah. people. And usually, just asking, and opening your mouth up. Our mm-hmm. generation, you know, everybody wants to be tough guys, so they yeah, don't yeah. speak to complete strangers. I, she don't like it, but I'll talk to anybody yeah. anywhere. Mm-hmm. That's this guy. Talk to that's, that's how it's supposed to be. I think that's how I ended up here. You just hit me up, you know. Yeah. Do you use that like for boxing, like when you see your opponent? What about it? All the stuff you mentioned. I mean, yeah, you bro. can tell if he's nervous. You, you he's can scared. you can tell, man. You can tell down it. to. All right, for instance, you look at the bottom of his shoe. You can tell, you know, that shoe, the heel's balder than the other. He's left-handed. Look at his hands. Look at his face. The scars on his face. That's the hand that he keeps down most of the time. The scar tissue on his face, or um, you know, if he slurs his talk, he's punchy. Mm. If he stutters during the interviews, he's nervous. He can't deal with the pressure. He tell a lot of things. Or if he talks real loud and real aggressive, he's m- compensating for something he's missing inside. It's the same thing. You throw the energy out there, it's like throwing his jabs and faint at him. See how he reacts. Same thing, Interesting. Just, You I got think, anything? I think that's where the sweet signs, no, it's like missing now. Now boxing coaches are just uh, strength and conditioning yeah, coaches. Huh. Just fight, 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 fight. Yeah, I'll be I'll be honest with you, Anthony. Um, so I, I never heard of your name until what? So, yep. <laughs> yeah, no. Just being real. There's with a lot you. of people you named Anthony. My name. You know why? It's because my I'm name is Antonio Montana Morales. <laughs> to, to, to Rodriguez. Simon, huh? no, well, last name is Simon, huh? Right. <laughs> Simon. Being straight up with you, I have not heard your name until what happened with <clears throat> the zone and that previous fight mm-hmm. when you came out and you did the interview. Instead of having the reflection on yourself, you ended up putting it on somebody else's shoulders, right? Mm-hmm. My thing is with, you caught my attention when you, when you did that because usually I don't hear somebody being outspoken or be on the spotlight on the sport of boxing unless you have a country behind your back mm-hmm. or, or you're being like this big name superstar. Uh, in this case, like let's say in the case of Adrian Broner, mm-hmm. right? Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, Canelo, all those big names have charisma. Or they do something outside the ring, right? Mm-hmm. But in your case, though, what I'm trying to emphasize is the fact that I said this like about a couple of months ago that um, and I'm not trying to throw you in the bus or anything like that. But I mentioned to the guys that the only way Golden Boy Promotions is able to gain my respect is if they're able to promote an African-American boxer because mm-hmm. all they have <laughs> in their stable is nothing but Hispanic boxers. Yeah. And I get the point that you have Bernard Hopkins, but mm-hmm. that's not going to make a slide. All right. But the thing what I'm trying to get at is the fact that you yourself emulate something different outside of the ring compared to other African-American boxers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I commend you for that because later on, I'm going to have a segment um, detailing Jerome, Agent Broner, yeah. the difference between Agent Broner and um, Andre Ward. Okay. And at the end of the day, I feel like when you're done with boxing, you're going to be who you are. Because you didn't sell yourself outside the ring. Yeah. You keep mm-hmm. your same principles, what happens inside the ring and outside the ring. Yeah. So uh, how how is it being realistic, being straight up, being an African-American boxer, just in general? Mm-hmm. How is it? Um, I would say you know, my ethnicity, you know, my, 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 my background, my heritage, it really doesn't have so much to do with it as people think. You know, it's not like we know we live in completely different worlds. We don't have the same problems or we don't have the same outlook. 
<clears throat> I would say, if anything, more is expected of us, or certain things expected of us. Ex- we're expected to, you know, come from the hood, you know, the whole story. I came from the hood. I came from nothing. Blah 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 blah. I'm here, which isn't the case. I think that's one thing. Um, but the main part is, I mean, all boxes, whether you're white, black, or Hispanic, we all fight for one reason most of the time, or for certain reasons, it's all similar respect, mm-hmm. you know, for for capital, for the money, or have a legacy or just because we love the game in general <clears throat> but I would say so much of it is not because you know me being an African American boxer in this generation maybe so mm. but I think so So much of it is really not even about skin color mm. you know, once we get in that ring we're all the same right so at the end of the day you know you have a point we can go with stereotypes and you know black fighters do this Mexican fighters do this white fighters do this but when we both get in there you know, we're only gonna bleed. You know, one color, and that's red. Mm-hmm. That's the only color. That's the thing, Anthony. Like, <coughs> you mentioned um, in one of your interviews that you have four things. You said you have power, speed, look, <laughs> and mind. You say that twice. <laughs> I'll say it again. Power, nice. <laughs> speed, look, and mind. Can you emphasize in all four of them? Um, I say I have good power. You know, my record speaks. You know, I thought power. you were gonna start with the looks. <laughs> nah, man, I'm not that conceited. <laughs> hey, that's uh, why he said it third, right? <laughs> yeah. Africa speed, um, you know, speed can't be taught. Mm-hmm. It's either you have it or you don't. Um, what was it? Besides good looks, I forgot. Power, what speed. <laughs> you should know this by now. Power, speed, look, and mind. Mind. I mean, like I, you said I it. mean, it's not rehearsement. <laughs> it's from the heart. You said that's it. That's why. Um, the mindset you have to have. Well, come back to the originally bo- originality of boxers. They were all students of the game. They were intellectually sound. They could read. They could write. They could mm-hmm. talk. You don't see that too often now. Mm-hmm. And that's the sweet signs of boxing. You have to be a, a student of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, reading and writing and being able to watch video and take notes. It's all part of the game. It's like going to school, mm-hmm. boxing school. So I have the mindset and the look. You know, you don't want to be judgmental, but in boxing, you are judgmental. You usually go to the fighter who's good looking. They can speak and has the look. Mm-hmm. Same way with kids. You grow up wanting to be what the basketball player that has the look. One has a face. Steph Curry. No, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I feel like I have all those. The only reason I say that is because I look at all the fighters right now. You don't really see it too often. If and if they do have the possibility of being that mm. person, they're not either marketed right or you just haven't heard of them. Mm. But I mean, like Hispanic fighters, they do it very well. You know, uh, Chavez. Um, well, mm. Chocolatito, mm. if you say his name right. Um, you know, there's not really any white fighters right now besides Caleb Plant. Now, black fighters. They're in the opportunity to be marketed right, but they, you know, they want to live the you know fancy lifestyle, and that's not their fault. Right. You know, a lot of times with black fighters, I feel like, well, African American fighters, they do it to compensate for something that they're missing. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times these fighters are what, besides Deontay Wilder, they're small. Yeah. So the inferior, mm-hmm. first of all, you're small. Floyd Mayweather, Adrian Barney, you're small people. You have to make up for something you're missing. You're a small man. You're five four and 130 pounds. Mm-hmm. My girlfriend's taller than that, you know. <coughs> and then you have something you're trying to prove to the world. You know, you're, mm-hmm. coming from, you're coming from the hood and you have this inferior complex where it's like, you know, I ain't going to ever go back. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be a man. I'm going to be tough. The same thing you're talking about being vulnerable. You don't want to ever show that. Yeah. So you yeah. overdo it. And then it's just like, you know, kids come behind them. Now it's just like an ongoing cycle. Everybody mm-hmm. wants to be the next Broner, Floyd, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's like a chain. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, I feel like right now is the perfect time to, to, to change that. Mm-hmm. People want to watch somebody that's different. Well, it's just saying, when you don't know your history, repeat yourself. They don't yeah. know that what I'm doing has already been done. The way I'm mm-hmm. fighting, short trunks, long socks. Where's the rhyme? All the fighters before me did. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
But we don't know your history repeats itself. You know, back in school, they bring pencils out, and you'd be like, look, Mom, you ever seen this pencil before? It's brand new. And they're like, they brought this out in the 80s. Yeah, right. You know, same way with this boxing thing. So um, <clears throat> I don't know if I really answered your question all the way, but I feel like I'm bringing something that this game needs right now. Old school, simple boxing. People want to see that. People don't yeah. want to see people threatening yeah. and fighting. They want to see funny interviews. They want to see good boxing. Yeah, I just mm. get a different energy from you compared yeah. to any <coughs> other boxer. That's my thing that I, even with this interview, like this is my first time encountering you, but like even in an interview, I'm like, this guy is so original. Well, I'm not just a boxer, I'm a person. Just right. Like, you know, so. It's kind of refreshing because you, yeah. you don't see that, especially in boxing. Absolutely not. Yeah. I mean, you have to have that type of mindset to be a boxer. Yeah. Like almost like an animal. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times fighters know how to turn that switch off when it's time to get out the mm-hmm. room and you end up hurting yourself. Yeah, at the um, the the interview that you had with uh, Coogan. Coogan. Yeah. I was going through all the comments, bro, and it's a—it's crazy, right? All these positive comments from, <clears throat> and I think you mentioned about having like a bigger fan base. Yeah, I have a bigger fan base in the UK, which I mean, I'm not tripping. I have a fan base here too, mm-hmm. but um, it's how I market it over there. You know, there's really nobody big here interviewing because in America, what they're interviewing is well, TMZ, the craziness, violence, yeah. just stupid stuff, ignorance. Over there, you know, they're interviewing breakthrough stories, stories that's going to inspire people, mm-hmm. you know, to be better. So, I mean. It's crazy, man. I never. You don't hear about fighters going overseas and being, like, you know, loved. Yeah. You don't. You tell me. You tell me one fighter from America that went over there. And I, I don't like to compare myself to Ali, but you tell me one fighter that went over there and it was loved. <coughs> you can't tell me one. It went over there. and was just loved by everybody. And, w- and we'll talk about it later. Yeah. But it says a lot about you compared to what Deontay Wilder is doing over there. I here. mean, that you know, that's not that's not his fault. Every Ex- man, yeah. every man has his own race. Right. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's no telling what he's thinking, what he's going through, is making him act that way. And one thing I'm not going to do, I'm not going to judge your brother for what he's doing. As long as he doesn't hurt me, it hurts someone mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if he wants to walk backwards and wear his clothes inside out, that's up to him. You yeah. know? You know, I wanted to ask you, how did you start boxing? Because I'm pretty sure you did uh, other sports, right? Yeah, I did. Uh, I was a football player at one point. Because um. <clears throat> you do come from a boxing family. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but how did you, you start boxing? Uh, so, actually, I'm... Um, I lost my father at the age of six, and my father never wanted me to box. My father was uh, my alternate for the 80 Olympic team. I think it's eight, the eight or 84. The year it got boycotted, and they was throwing mm-hmm. the wrestlers out the window. So boxing kind of ruined my father's life, so he never wanted me to box. Mm-hmm. Um, I was outside playing with this kid, and we were playing football, and I accidentally stepped on his bike. When I stepped on his bike, it popped the chain. <laughs> and um, I was kind of boxing right at that time, but that's when I really started taking boxing serious. If I say mm-hmm. the main cause of me doing boxing is uh, – Excuse me. Like my 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 girlfriend, she didn't even know like you know all this all the shit that I went through you know mm-hmm. as a kid, you know losing the ability to read and write. That was the main reason I got put in boxing because the kids thought that I was trying to be funny or be mean mm-hmm. and not speak to them. So they you know we, we were fighting the bathroom, we were fighting the cafeteria. Hey, move over. And I try to tell them like oh, this is my spot. But I couldn't tell them anything. I couldn't speak. I would get nervous. So boxing was a way for me to let it out, and a way for me to I say um become more. I see less afraid. Mm-hmm. If anything, it wasn't so much self. It wasn't so much uh, self protection. You did your talking in the ring. Um, <laughs> man, talking in the ring, but like it taught me life lessons. My mother couldn't teach me, or a man to be able to teach you. Mm-hmm. But you know, a woman can't raise a boy to be a man. Mm-hmm. So you know, not be able to talk and read, man, that can really fuck you up mentally. You mm-hmm. know, as a child, not, not really being social, and then the teachers making it obvious that you're different than everybody else. Not necessarily mm-hmm. that you're remedial, but you know, I learned differently than everybody else. I might not learn as fast as everyone else. So I'm sitting right next to the teacher's desk and then second, third, fourth grade, I'm in different classes with special other kids and you don't see me the whole day. Mm-hmm. You notice that. When you come outside, recess, kids ain't seen you all day. Where you at? 
you're not explaining that like well i'm in a different mm -hmm. class because i don't think or see things the same way as you mm -hmm. so it makes sense that you're very like observant <coughs> right like you mentioned looking at the bottom of your opponent's yeah. shoes right because when one sense is not like all the way there yeah. you use your, you your other senses are enhanced that's true you never realize um every morning i pray the fact that i can walk i can see i can feel i can i can taste i have all these senses you never realize how important they are until you lose one mm -hmm. and i hate to put people in that situation but i mean you really don't i am when I, when I was able to really start talking like I wanted to, I started, my mom told me, you know, talk your shit and don't stop. <laughs> and that's why, you know, I talk and say whatever I feel to whoever, yes. whenever. Mm -hmm. You said that your mom couldn't teach you to be a man. Um, yeah. You had, <coughs> what mentors did you have and what did they teach you? So my mother couldn't teach me to be a man, so um, I came home. My mother wasn't liking, i say, the direction I was heading in mm -hmm. life. You know, I was doing decent in school and stuff, but she felt like I was supposed to be on a higher path. Mm -hmm. So I came home, had a one-way ticket to Vegas and uh, $50 in a suitcase. She told me I'm gonna move with my uncle and I can come back when I got my shit right. So mm -hmm. my uncle, I'm related <laughs> to the Mayweathers. So mm -hmm. I moved in with Roger Mayweather. <coughs> if anybody thinks Roger Mayweather, you know, does dope or does anything like that, he doesn't, never did. Uh, he has diabetes. When you don't take your insulin or your medicine, mm -hmm. you get real sick and you look, you know, sickly like that. You know, mm -hmm. you get really skinny, you start hallucinating, you, and you, you're not well. So sometimes I get locked in the house. He had a double lock on his door. Sometimes he would forget who I was. We get into fights, things of that sort, which wasn't his fault. But um, I spent more time outside the house than I did inside the house. And the area that I, you know, that I was living at the time, it was a nice neighborhood as far as how it looked. But the people in the neighborhood, you know, it was pretty rough. Rolling twenties, Crips neighborhood is a tough area. So um, <clears throat> I had my money taken a few times, things of that sort. Um, catching the bus, you know, getting jacked for stuff on the bus. And it told me that, uh, you know, nobody's going to care about you. How are you going to care about yourself? Mm. So it's told me to be real aware and just not to take things for granted. Mm -hmm. And uh, it made me very mature. My mom told me I could come back when I was 15. I came back. I played football. I was in school for a little bit. She realized I still wasn't where she wanted me to be as a man. So she sent me back. And I was like, please don't send me back. Like, please send me back. <clears throat> I came back when I was 18. And um, I came back the man she wanted to be. She wanted me to be. You know, it was a couple of years ago um, when uh, Kanye West came out with his first Nike shoe on the back. It says, everything that I'm not, maybe everything that I am. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Floyd. And, and you know where I'm going with this, yeah, right? absolutely. Because then you end up saying in this interview, Floyd didn't do much for me, but him not doing much for me did everything for me. Everything I am is everything he didn't give me. Everything I am is everything he didn't give me. Uh, and I don't say this in a negative way. This is the best thing that could have happened to me. Mm -hmm. If Floyd would have gave me everything and, you know, silver spoon fed, I wouldn't appreciate or be the man that I am or do what I do now. I probably wouldn't speak my purpose because my life would just be amazing. You mm -hmm. know, no wants, no no needs. <coughs> but Floyd never gave me uh, a bag, never gave me a shirt. Um, you know, I can say he did this for Christmas. He bought me two jumpsuits and two pairs of Air Forces and a pair of Hanes underwear absolutely wow. yeah i mean absolutely and I, I appreciate that i was at his house mm -hmm. for a while for about a week i didn't have any clothes so he bought me some clothes mm -hmm. and he fed me and you know and that's all he needed me to he let me come in his gym never charged me that's all i needed from him he let me come in the gym i showcased my skills i trained and it, and um i forgot fulfilled what i was supposed to be because of him not giving it to me i don't mean to shoot down any celebrities kids but a lot of celebrities kids majority of the time never surpass their parents or become anything because mm -hmm. what they don't know anything they don't know anything about adversity or trials or mm -hmm. what it feels like to be hungry or be thirsty mm -hmm. most of the time mm -hmm. but those are all things that's ex that's exactly what happened on the brandon adams versus sugar ray jones jr yeah that's what we saw mm -hmm. 
Exactly. I mean, adversity and trials, that creates a person pain. Suffering creates a person. Well, you don't know any of that. You never live. And there's a lot of mm. people like that. I call it existing and not living. Yeah. Mm. Can you imagine what it's like to never know hunger or thirst? Dog? Like, what? Yeah, there used to be, uh, well, there is a football manager who <coughs> used to train, uh, used to be the manager for Liverpool. His name was Brendan Rogers, and he had this philosophy of silver spoon or silver shovel. And I think that's the completely opposite from what your end came from with Mayweather, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, s- s- silver spoon or s- uh, silver shovel. I heard that before from um, an old man, but I thought that was either like, you know, you have a silver spoon, you're fed everything, or silver shovel, like you work for everything. So, um, yeah, I, this is off topic, but I hate when people describe boxers as, you know, African-American boxers, Hispanic boxers. All of us don't come from the hood. A lot mm-hmm. of people do, you know. Mm-hmm. But in my in my, in my my uh, situation, they always say, you know, I, I came up from the hood. Mom was on dope. Dad was in the streets. Never had nobody. Never gave me nothing. Dropped out of school. Sell dope. That's not the case with a lot of boxers. And that's how we're viewed. Mm-hmm. My, me. It's the narrative. that Yeah, absolutely. The narrative we're always given. And my narrative is completely different. A lot of times with those fighters, when they come up like that, they're trying to achieve something that they never felt. So they're always going to fall short of it because they don't know what they're even trying to find in the first place. This feeling, this taste that they're trying to find, they'll never find it because they never had it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Me, on the other hand, I came up in a nice home, nice cars, family, good house, and then I lost everything. So now what I'm trying to achieve, I know exactly what I want. Exactly, I'm going to get it. So I hate when fighters say, you know, well, people look at fighters, you know, did you come up from the hood and this and that? No, I had a tough upbringing, but it wasn't material things. It was necessities. Mm-hmm. A father, you know, mm-hmm. uh, being in the household with my loving mother and my sisters. These are things that I feel like I needed, but I didn't have because what? My past was different than everyone else's. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times in the hood, you know, I, I didn't have no one I needed. Your mother was right there. Your family was right there. You could have went to school. Mm-hmm. You could have went to college. These are things that you chose not to do. Now, is it your fault because you have the proper people around you? Absolutely. But you don't have to be a product of your environment every mm-hmm. time. Yeah. You know? Anthony, I know you, you mentioned a lot about skills. Yeah. And having a high IQ to go <coughs> find this game. But I see that you ha- you're very mentally tough. Yes. I mean, I feel like, I feel like uh, you know, it's in, it's in our bloodline. You know, Hispanic, black, minority. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's in us to be tough. It's in us to survive, you know, to, to make it through. Come hell, come you no know, snow, come rain, whatever the case is. And uh, like my mother and my father always told me, tough times don't last long, but tough people do. Mm. And never use a, um, never use a, um, a permanent solution for a temporary problem. It's never that serious, you know. Yeah. Mm. So how'd you end up over here on the West Coast? <laughs> I saw your Instagram story. You're over here chilling in Compton. Yeah, man. Uh, so what, Vegas or Compton? Over here. Uh, L.A. area. Okay, L.A. area. Um, so my father was out here back in the day. I was at the skating rink, and this man skated up to me out of nowhere, you know, and I, like, was in my boxing stand. Like skateboard or, like, no, four wheel? Roller, roller skating. So I go to the roller skating rink. Cool. Well, actually, I, I cut that. How I ended up over here? <laughs> uh, I own a boxing gym in Indianapolis, and my kids had qualified for um, the Desert Showdown or National Pal here. So I brought my kids. My mom was like, you know, you should just go to the gym and train at Fred Roach's gym. And at this point, I had quit boxing. I was mm. done with boxing. I was like, forget it. Like, uh, what year was this? How old were you? This was last year. Uh, this was last year, um, I'll say maybe August. Yes, because I moved here October last year. Mm-hmm. So I came down there for this tournament. My mother told me to go to the gym. I'm like, no, I'm done with boxing. I want to pick up a boxing glove and finish. She told me to go to the gym. I went to the gym. I trained you know, my, my heart out. Like I was just, you know, just there just laying it all loose. I'm about to walk out, and this woman stopped me, and she says, 
Well, this woman stops me and she says, um, Freddie Roach has been watching you from downstairs from the camera. Do you have a promoter? Do you have a coach? I said, no, I don't have a coach. She says, well, he wants to meet with you Saturday. I'm like, shut up. Mm-hmm. She's like, no, really? So I meet up with him Saturday. We train. And he says, I want to be your new coach. Pack up your shit and move here. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, well, he says, oh, well, let's do hand pad Sunday. I'm like, I don't live here. He tells <laughs> me, pack up my shit and move here. So uh, three weeks later, I get my release from Don King. And I pack up all my shit. I had just moved into a brand new condo. Like I'm just living <coughs> my little life. And I packed up all my shit, put it in my car, and drove here. Me and my mother. Drove here, moved into Santa Monica with uh, I got some homeboys that live up in Santa Monica. They own Gloveworks Boxing Gym. Have you ever heard of it? So moved up there, flew her back, and um, was living out there for a little bit. And then I decided I moved to Long Beach because I ran into a guy out there. And, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> moved to Long Beach, ran to a guy who knew my father and uh, was a big in boxing. So we became real close, and I was like, you know, I'll move out to Long Beach. Moved there, and that's where I've been ever since. And, you know, in that pathway, I think one thing that I try to take <coughs> away from that is the fact that you mentioned that you have to be business smart compared to being street smart. And in that long, you had offers with the Mayweather team, with Al Heyman. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're at 23. We still don't know how far you're going to get in boxing, but it looks like you're going to be in an interesting path later on with the zone but long story short um what type of advice do you give somebody who's trying to come up because you had your own chairs of struggles outside the ring with promoters so what do you tell them because this is something that we saw with Andre Ward and Mikey Garcia but I now I see it with you like what do you tell somebody that's trying to come up I like the fact you said that um this is besides boxing reach one teach one if you've been through it if you've been through hell and came back or been to that dark space and come back feel free to share with people so they ain't got to go through the same hell that you went through and if they do go through it you know you give them the knowledge to deal with it so i would tell you if you're going through the boxing world don't sign for the money you see sign for the money that you will see or that you're supposed to see that's the first thing mm-hmm. don't sign for the quick signing bonus because they're going to get it back out of you eventually mm-hmm. and if you do sign for a signing bonus take a portion of your signing bonus and put it towards your lawyer before you sign the whole entire contract um at our age you know you're quick to sign quick to make the money but here's the problem at your age, you really aren't mature enough to know what to do with the money, where to invest, how long it's going to last. You can't predict the future. You don't know how long your boxing career is going to last. And the money in the contract is usually not guaranteed. Mm-hmm. It's not like a football or basketball contract. So mm-hmm. I would tell you, um, <coughs> do research on the promoter. And I'm not going to say every promoter is a snake, but it's a business. So go with the devil you know, not the one you don't. Bars. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's the truth, man. I, I mean, I said I've been there, I've done it. And, you know, a lot of times, me, like I said, me and my girlfriend, we would sit and uh, she would tell me, you know, why aren't you signing this contract? Just take one. You know, Javante Davis is fighting. This guy's fighting. Dusty Harrison's fighting. These guys I grew up with. And I say, because I know my worth. It must take a lot of patience, huh? Mm-hmm. I mean, patience is a virtue. You must, you know, you, you got to grow into it. You know, anything easy didn't come overnight. And the best fights aren't won overnight. So, um, How difficult is it to stay focused on fighting when there's all these things in the background going on like promoters promoters man that's why i tell people all the time the biggest fight happens on paperwork it doesn't mm-hmm. happen in the ring and it happens after you're done boxing those are the two biggest you know mishaps um it's very hard man because you know you got a manager getting 33.3 percent one co- co- coach getting 15 percent another coach getting 10 percent another one getting five percent then you have to pay your sparring partners right you gotta pay your sparring yeah. partners and this and that that's ridiculous so yeah. that initial figure looks good huh i and mean it, it does that's <laughs> the problem a lot of fighters sign. taxes too <laughs> you got taxes this 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 number that you see 
It's not a number. Slice of the pie. Yeah, once you once you subtract where everybody's gonna get paid, then you got to take out your bills, mm-hmm. then your savings, then you know your car, then whatever the case is. I mean, if you have children, or if you're not with your children, child support. There's so much that goes into it. So, I would tell, uh, I would tell you know, anybody who's getting into the professional, you know, you know business side. Hmm. Usually, the meat of the contract is halfway through the contract or the back of the contract, and people stop reading after the tenth page. Mm, Don nice. King's contract was over eighty pages. The part that you need to read was page 76. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you, how did you get <coughs> out of that contract? Sometimes it's very... Oh, you guys really want to know? It's about to blow your fucking mind. <laughs> Wait, what was the question? How did he get out of his contract, his donkey contract? Jeez. <laughs> you got popcorn? You want to really know? <laughs> <All right. clears throat> so, um... First of all, congrats. I appreciate <laughs> it. Thank you, right? That's why I'm called the magician. Nobody gets out of that. Real talk. <laughs> yeah, so, um... I gotta tell you I gotta tell you a story In order for you to understand this story So I was living in Vegas I'm gonna close my eyes Right I'm gonna gonna put you there I'm a good storyteller So I'm living in Vegas And I was signed with this Promoter named Murad Muhammad Mm. Murad Muhammad Went and found Pacquiao From the Philippines So I'm Mm. signed with him I'm sitting in this uh, apartment With this this guy named Jihad At the time This Muslim guy I was training with My mother told me Jihad's I mean not Jihad um, What's his name Murad Muhammad his his lawyer's coming to your house with a suitcase with fifty thousand dollars in it. Don't take the suitcase because you take <laughs> the suitcase and makes the contract the contracts back 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 in the game, mm-hmm. right? And he already violated the contract by like a year and a half. How old are you at this point? I was probably I, I was like nineteen, I think eighteen. I had just signed. You're gonna tell contract. a ni- nineteen year old not to take fifty k? Well, here's the thing, man. though, man. Like you know, that's crazy. It's off topic, but our generation you have to respect authority. That's why a lot of crazy yeah. shit's happening. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It starts in the home. You don't respect your yep. mom. Yep. You're not gonna respect a random person. That's you true. Know? That's a whole other topic. But right. We're sitting there, and um, she's like, "Whatever you do, don't take the suitcase, son. Just please don't." I said, "I got you. I ain't gonna take it." So, open the door up. It's this. It appears to be a white man, but he's like Jewish and black, and he's like yeah. uh, from New York. He's like. Hey, Anthony, I got this suitcase for you. You know, you need to take it, man. You know, I just sign this paperwork. I'll go on about my way. You have a good day. What movie is this? No, it's, it's that's, 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 how, that's how guys talk, you know, New York guy. Yeah. Yeah. Some mother told me not to talk to you, not to sign nothing. I was like, I got something for you. Right? So I reach in my pocket, and then I pull out my middle finger. Oh. And I slam the door in his face. <laughs> Whoa. I come home. My mom's like, hey, I found somebody who wants to invest in you, wants to sign you. I'm like, all right. So I come home. Open the door up, and he's sitting on my couch. Wow. The lawyer. So I'm like, what the hell is he doing here? <laughs> so he's like, uh, he wants to invest in you, sign you. I said, yes, the man you told me to stay away from. Did you just bring <laughs> oh, him in the damn house? Man. Like, what? <laughs> so I was like, what are you doing here? And he says, well, you know, I've worked with a lot of people. And he says, I like the fact that you listen. He said, a lot of fighters don't listen, especially in your position. When they're hungry, they bite at whatever you give them. So my manager, his name is Kevin Wynn. Um, he was... He ran a Madison Square Garden. He was CEO of Madison Square Garden. Worked with Manuel Stewart. He was his lawyer. Venus and Serena Williams. He's been around for years. My manager was Don King's lawyer. Right? Mm-hmm. He had gotten to him something about the 90s, and uh, Don King fired him. Mm. Right? So Don King offered me a contract. He told me I can come up there and you know, come to Florida and sign this contract. I'm like, okay, that's cool. Can I bring my manager and my lawyer to read the contract? He's like, yeah, that's cool. My lawyer curated this Don King contract that everybody's been signing for years back mm-hmm. in like ninety or yeah. ninety one. Copy paste. But he didn't know that my manager lawyer was his former More manager lawyer. Yeah. So we get in there. I'm like, yeah, I'm here now. I'm about to come up. 
he comes in, he shits his pants, dog. When he sees my manager is Kevin Wynn, he oh, says, he shit. says, what the fuck? <laughs> he says, you pulled a quick one on me. He pulls his cigar, puts his mouth, lights it, and he's sitting there just looking. So we're talking to him, but I don't think he's hearing nothing we're saying because he's just looking at <laughs> my, my manager like, you motherfucker, you got me. <laughs> so we're sitting there, and uh, he hands us this contract. My manager picks it up, he rips it, and he says, I created this contract 15 years ago. I'm going to create a new one so you can't fuck my boy. Wow. <laughs> right? Wow. So we create this new contract, and... um. <clears throat> a lot of contracts, man, you don't understand how much the word if given. Um, it's just like little words in there. It's, it's, li- changes the it's, whole it's liquid. It's yeah, not it's solid. It changes the whole contract. So we created our own contract. And, um, you know, we had clauses in there where I can get the contract if he doesn't, you know, give me this certain amount of fights, this and that. We ain't even have to go to court. Mm-hmm. So that's how I got out. So people to this day, how'd you get out? And I say, well, I got out because I used Don King's poison against him. Mm. I went. I went and got his lawyer. His lawyer got me, and we yeah. went back and we got him you know, at his own game. Damn. So that's how I got it's out. It's those little words that had man, my, Mike Tyson title. Man, little words, dog. You know, a lot of times it's hard to look at it that way. Like, you know, you look at Don King being a bad person, and, um, you know, Don King may be the brains and stuff, but he's not the one that creates it. Well, he's the brains, you know, he's the face, but he's not the one that creates, you know, contract word by word. Mm. And uh, a lot of these fighters, you know, they come in, they're arrogant. Excuse me, like they're assholes, and they don't want to be told anything. My manager told me, he's like, I told these guys, look, man, take a portion of your signing bonus, buy your lawyer, look at this contract, take mm-hmm. this, put this away, buy a house, invest in the business, you know, put your money away, put it in a trust fund, whatever the case mm-hmm. is. They don't want to listen. Yeah, They want to live fast. They want to I mean, live the now. Think about you guys at 21. Someone told you, you know, don't do this and this. You're be like, I'm on top of the road. You can't tell me what to do. I got $2 million in my pocket. You know, you can't tell me anything. I just pulled up in a Lambo. You can't tell. You, you can't tell. In this generation, you can't tell kids anything. Yeah. But they don't they don't respect authority and it starts in the home. So I listen, man, and it saved me a lot of I see a lot of headaches I could have had. Not to say I didn't have any, absolutely. I mean, if you live long enough you're gonna go through some shit. Yeah. That's the thing with boxing, right? It's I tell the guys like it's like the wild wild west. Mm-hmm. There's no rules at all. There's no rules. Yeah. Anything goes. But I mean that's that's a curse and a blessing. It's like free will, you know. Yeah. It's a curse and a blessing. You can, right. you know, make or break. You can create your life, or you can be the end of your own. You can be your own doom. It depends on which way you want to go. Yeah, you know. Yeah. The dark side of boxing, right? Dark. It's Man. the dark side of boxing, and it's. A, I say it's the unspoken side, and um, a lot of fighters are affected by, by this at the end of their career. Yeah. Like I said when you sign, you're not signing for what you see right now. You're signing for what you shall see, what you will see. When you finish boxing, what you got? You know, there's no health benefits. Yeah. Right. That's you know, something. You know, you ain't going to be able to go see the dentist and stuff like that. We joke a lot. A lot of old fighters from the 80s, most of them don't have any teeth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not because they got hit in the mouth, but, you know, you don't have all these benefits unless you have a good wife or a good, you know, somebody like that. Most of the time you don't because you're just going through them. You know, money's coming. Forget her. I get I get this. Get this. I mean, you don't see too many fighters who stuck with the same person they came up with. Mm. You don't. And then when you when boxing's over and you're old and you're beat down and you're busted and all the money's gone and all the friends is gone and all the parties and all the girls, and what are you left with? Nothing but a legacy. Yep. And legacy don't pay your bills or help you live any longer. Man, like, I'm, are, are you sure you're 23, bro? <laughs> man. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, man, like, you know. You know we're all older than you, right? We're. Even if we yeah. look younger. Even yeah. him? How old do you think <laughs> I am? Him. You I think he's old as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How old do you think I am? You? Yeah, 29. 28. Okay. 27. Six. Uh, 27. 28. Uh, you're 13. <laughs> 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 really? That's cool, man. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I want to talk a little bit about uh, what happens inside the ring. Like, mm-hmm. when you prepare for a fight, let's say, what, what does your typical day look like when you're preparing <clears throat> for a fight? Like, p- paint the picture. I told you I had to kill you. <laughs> no, um, I mean, preparing for a fight, like the I, I day of the, the fight. Show. Yeah, do it for the show. <laughs> um, the day of the fight? No, like, just like your typical day. Like, Is there, like, a routine that you have? I mean, I do, but, like, most fighters, everybody's different. I'm superstitious, yeah. man, so, like, mm-hmm. I won't change anything. I'll do everything the same way. That's why you still wear the same shoes? What do you mean? Like the, the same style? Come again. With the past two fights? <laughs> Come again. No, man. I actually like Cortez's dog, and I'm not about to change it. I mean, I'm comfortable with it. I just, uh, I really like them. They're comfortable. They're my running shoes. I jump rope in them. You get banged on? No, homie. I'm actually cool. I'm actually, it's cool. <laughs> I, like, I like those little tassels they have in your. Absolutely. They're cute. That's what I'm trying to get at. <laughs> cute. Excuse me. <laughs> that, it reminds me a little bit of a I'm polo. I'm see you after this, Vato. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, we're not going to fight virtually. Not, <laughs> yeah, you know that new. Create a yeah. virtual reality game, no a boxing game. No, no, but I know the the, crea- the director. Um, I'm with him every day. Antonio oh. Fuqua, yeah. Okay. Oh wow. I was like, I was talking. I was like, man, that Creed movie hey. sucks. Uh, <laughs> so I didn't know. Do people tell you Wait, that you're like uh, the real life Creed? <laughs> I mean, I've been hearing that. He yeah. actually told me he's gonna put. Well, this is secret. Already. Yeah. He's thinking about it, but hey. he's uh, thinking about putting Southpaw and Creed against each other in a movie. Yeah. Oh, that would be dope, right? He said yeah. he's thinking about it. He's just in the air. You that's know like what, like the light heavy? Yeah, that's I mean, I don't know what you're saying, but they some a real life Creed, man, I guess. I mean, I'm so confused. So I, I guess you're not in Creed okay. too. Then. So I haven't watched it. I'm going to watch it tomorrow. You don't know why they're comparing him to Creed? It was, it was too late. Oh, no, I get that. Okay. Yeah. It was it was too late, but um, <coughs> somebody, you know, another movie. But yeah, I'm with him every day. I didn't know. I was like, who's this black guy? You know, I'm seeing him every day. I was talking about the Creed movie. He was like, you think it's crappy i'm like yeah. yeah he's like why i was like well first of all ain't nobody gonna be running down the street with dirt bikes like <laughs> we don't run that fast <laughs> and it's philly it's uphill like what i was like second of all you know the hand pass and i feel like i should sloppy. take my I oh yeah he, he hasn't seen creed too so oh yeah he hasn't seen that's cool yeah. i mean like that's just one part but he was like appreciate it and then me and my coach was talking he was like yeah you see a director of creed in here and i was like where <laughs> he's like he made training day equalize those movies I was like who he's like him i was like Shut up. Hey, you lost that role, bro. Yeah. So, yeah. Are, you, are, you, are you a big Rocky movie fan? No, man. No? No. You I feel like, like it's he's like... He's 23, man. I don't like uh, box movies because I don't feel like they're real. You can't smash... Dude, I feel the same way. You, you feel I feel me? the same way. You can't smash, uh, I say, 17, 18 years of somebody's life into a movie. You can't mm-hmm. capture the ups and downs and the emotions and the pain mm-hmm. and the suffering into one movie. It's not like that. It's not like, you know... You have this big, bi- this big fi- victory fight, and then everything goes away. A lot mm-hmm. of times, you and then the the actual action doesn't look very realistic. No, it's not, man. I bet you'd be like, man, look I at that right the, hook. Man. The, the worst <laughs> part is the storyline. I hate to say, it, but majority of boxers, the top fighters, we go out on our shield, which means we go out the ring, um, not the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, only a few of them did. But you know, everybody pays their price. Sugar Ray Leonard lost his eye. Ali, you know, mm-hmm. um, I can't think of the is it Park, yeah, Parkinson's. Parkinson's. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, Marvin Hagler got out in time, became an actor. Mike yeah. Tyson, um, you know, his image. You know, people looked at him as a crazy killer, mm-hmm. biting the ears off his head. Oh, Everybody, yeah. the boxing when you leave, a piece of you stays in it. Yeah, that's why. That's why I hear when I use the B word. Yeah, we think it's very disrespectful, and anybody, anybody that jumps in that ring, it's they're they're losing a little bit of themselves. Absolutely. I mean, it takes heart to get in there, man. And whether you <coughs> believe it or not, I feel like it's the closest feeling I've come towards death. There's no feeling like uh, <laughs> I say like that. Not even the, the nerves that kill you, let alone not the night of the fight, but the day before the fight. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're challenging another man. Yeah. Face-offs, you know, wrapping your hands. Mm-hmm. And just to keep the cool and keep the calmness, yeah. you know. Anthony, I saw in one of your interviews that you're, you're in no rush no. to get to the top. 
Not not at all. How do you, you shouldn't? Can you I talk mean, a little bit about that? I feel like um, I use like a lot of examples or you can call them personification, whatever the case is. I feel like it's like um, drinking alcohol. Now, I'm not a big drinker or nothing like that, but you can't handle whiskey at 13. You have to grow into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, your beer comes, your voice gets deeper, it starts growing, you get more mature, you get a taste for it. Same way with boxing. You can't rush this because once you get there, you realize, man, I can't really handle this whiskey like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not what I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I'm, I'm tore up. You know, mm-hmm. same way with boxing. You gotta take your time. And, the, and then the big boxers, Marvin Hagler, Sergey Leonard. These guys, they just once and uh, you know, they didn't just just go right to the top. Mm-hmm. You know, it took a while for you to hear about them. You have to build up to this. There's levels to it. You know, people say start from the bottom. Now we're here. No, start from the bottom. Then you got the next step and the next step, and you're not even there yet. Then you gotta keep going, keep going, keep going. And you still won't reach the top. It's, it, it, it's, I just don't know why people rush to get, you know, you're in a rush to get there for what? Because mm-hmm. once you get there, you can't go nowhere but there. Yeah, that's yeah. the peak, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be like that. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I want to take my time, and when it's time for me to get there, I'm there, and I won't be there for too long. Mm-hmm. It's like a pencil. You sharpen it, you sharpen it too much, yeah. it breaks. You mm-hmm. said 25, 26 is like your, 20, like your peak. My, my, I see my peak, um, absolutely. I feel like I'll be... Oh, 25, 26, maybe 30. You know, in the Bible, it says that Jesus become a full-grown man until he was 30. Mm-hmm. So as a heavyweight or a cruiserweight, maybe at 30 years old, maybe. And mm-hmm. I feel like the closer I get to that age, but 25, 26, I feel like, you know, that's a, that's a decent age, power and strength in mm-hmm. my mental. But um, I'm not in a rush, man. I'm not. Where do you see yourself in five years? Five years? Um, I feel like I'll be married, mm-hmm. have kids. Mm-hmm. Um. I feel like I'll probably be giving talks around the world, dog, to yeah. be honest. Like, I see you. I really feel like, you know, that's what I'll be doing. And I'll be speaking on, I call it the topic, I call it the unspoken. Topics people won't speak about mm-hmm. because yeah. it crushes <coughs> your reputation. Whether, like, okay, I'm going to give you guys a spill my next talk. I'm going to talk with Coog in my next fight. I'm going to talk to him about, you know, people being judgmental towards uh, people that like the same sex. Do I agree with it? Do I disagree with it? It's not about that. It's about loving your brother and your sister as mm-hmm. you want to be treated. You know, mm-hmm. you ain't got to respect their beliefs to each his own, mm-hmm. but you don't disrespect them because they don't, they're not your beliefs. Mm-hmm. No, don't force it on me. I won't force my beliefs on you, but just, just, a, just, just, just a respect. People won't yeah. speak on that because they get tied up in the whole, you know, rights and this and that. It's not about that. It's just showing love to people just mm-hmm. because they're people, they're human beings. So I feel like that's my purpose. A lot of people won't go and speak on them terms, but me, Hell, if I don't do it, who else will? Who will yeah. speak on mental illness? You uh, know, anybody that's actually listening to this right now, whatever. His question was, "Where do you see yourself in five years?" Right? Yeah. And I think anybody that will listen to it is like, "Okay, I'll probably be at heavyweight." Like oh. you, no, 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 no. You completely said stuff that's not even boxing related yeah. at all, yeah. Th- and that's what I'm trying to get at. You're completely different from like any other original and that's boxer. What, uh, that's how we first started paying attention to him, right? Yeah. That's at that post fight interview. Yeah. When they a- asked you about um, your fight, yeah, and I you started talking about like, hold on, I was, I was, awareness uh, I was stuttering real bad, man. I can't help it. My girl played with me about it a lot, but uh, <laughs> absolutely bringing awareness, man. You don't yeah. understand. You just opening your mouth. You can make or break somebody's yeah. spirit just by opening your mouth. And you know, on that interview too that you mentioned, um, you talk about our culture not having like a lot of positive things, right? Absolutely. Like if you listen to music or watch TV, yeah. mm-hmm. it's all about drugs, yeah. parties, guns, yeah. violence. So what, what like made you want to, like, can you expand on that? 
what makes you want to talk about that? Because I feel like, about it? yeah, because I feel like a lot of people our age, especially, don't talk about it. It's much more of like your experiences has shaped who you are, right? Absolutely. Um, it's like when you get you get caught in a hype, you believe the hype. That's all you see, then you'll believe it. You know, soap operas in the shows, mm-hmm. people watching Kardashians, and then the music you're listening to. You really think that's true? People aren't sipping and bombing fluid and mm-hmm. popping perks like that. Because if you know what that does to you, you die. Yeah. When people aren't doing any you know, hitting licks and gangster this, gangster that. I was always told gangsters don't live that long. Yeah. <laughs> Either they're locked up or they're no longer living. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I want to speak on it, and I'm talking about this yeah. as far as, you know, to answer your question. What made me talk about it is because you look around and you, all you see is negative. Mm. Not necessarily so bad. I mean, Hispanic culture, I feel like it's better. You guys got music, you know, bachata, dancing, <laughs> merengue. I mean, you do. Yeah. You have culture. Mm-hmm. You have, you know, you guys have, you know, traditions that won't change, quinceañeras, things like that. You mm-hmm. think about African Americans, do we have that? Mm. No. Some closest thing we had to probably was like barbecues in the 90s or family events, mm-hmm. getting together, Christmas, mm-hmm. Thanksgiving. But the main part is I feel like this turn us apart is phones social media a lot of Mm -hmm. a lot of together time that we had is not there anymore just sitting and talking just being a family we don't have this everybody's doing their own thing Mm -hmm. and they're becoming what they see you see something long enough you'll believe it and i tell these guys all the time that's what i don't watch tv like because like you said a lot of stuff you watch is just negative did i answer your question all the way yeah Yeah, yeah. just just negative i I just feel like like it's important for people like us we're all in our 20s right but i feel like not enough people talk about that Um, like I said, I'm not, I don't think I'm great or anything of that sort, but, um, if one person, I say just one person can almost conquer this world, destroy it, you know, just wiping out countries and mm-hmm. almost race Hitler, mm-hmm. like another person can make it a whole nother, a whole, a better place. No, Ali did mm-hmm. that. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he talked to people from different, you know, ethnic backgrounds, heritage, beliefs, religions. He talked about things people wouldn't talk about, you know, civil yeah. rights. That was big. That was mm-hmm. really big. But just speaking, just 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 being a voice for the people. I say not just the people, but the unspoken. So many mm-hmm. people that want to talk and come out and say things. You know, whatever the case is, I'm dealing with mental illness. I'm depressed. I have anxiety, or I'm in an identity crisis of who I am. I don't know if I'm a man that likes man or a woman that likes woman. Or I'm dealing with the crisis of I'm I'm black and Hispanic, and I live and I live in uh, California. I don't know to identify with the Hispanic side or the black side, which that's tough coming up as a, as a teenager in high school. I don't know if I fit in this clique or this clique. Yeah. These are mm-hmm. things that we all dealt with and felt as kids. Mm-hmm. And the ones that didn't you know, deal with it, they won't speak on it. Like I said, if you've been to hell and came back, or if you've been to that place and came back, whether it was an addiction, drugs, other cases, went to rehab and came back, which a lot of people don't do, or you know, you've been to that dark place, gang bang, whatever the case is, you should speak on it. Yeah, yeah, I feel like especially in boxing, we don't really see that. Like even since Ali, I think. No. Because who who are the biggest uh, faces in boxing recently? The biggest like, faces like don't have the voices. Floyd, like Floyd, he yeah. he was yeah. locked up for domestic abuse. Don't get me started on right? that, man. Yeah. Um, even like Pacquiao, like, yeah, he's a center and everything, but they talk about his vices, his tax stuff, whatever. Like I mean, yeah. most boxers have like a lot of negative stuff, and we joke around like cocaine all stars, you know, like yeah. Oscar De La Hoya and Julio Cesar Chavez. But yeah. people kind of ignore that. So I think it's that's why it's so important for you. It's like refreshing, yeah. especially in boxing, just I, at, as an athlete in general. I appreciate it, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, like I talked to you, I talked to my last interview about um, there's a book by um, Rick Warren called Purpose Driven Life. Mm-hmm. And then he says, he says, do you know your life is not about you? When he says, what he said, what is your purpose in our, on earth? And he says, do you know your life is not about you? Right. And he says, if, if your life is not about you, then who is it about? When you find out that, you know, that the answer to that question, then you find out your purpose in life. Yeah. 
So I feel like a lot of people don't realize your life isn't your own. It's not about you, let alone it's a gift. It just means you don't own it. And whether you believe in, in Jesus Christ or Allah or, you know, Buddhism or Hinduism, whatever the case is, to each his own. Yeah. Let but me see your ID, man. My ID, whatever. <laughs> you know, but, but I mean, really, your, your life yeah. isn't, uh, it's, dope, it's not about you. It's about yeah. serving yeah. one another and helping, loving your brother, whatever the case is. So that's what I'm doing. Usually when I hear athletes being involved in like political or social issues, like there's some, there's a brand next to it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, there's and, there's and a reason why they're talking about it. That's what I'm saying. In this case, what are your brands right now? My brands? Um, none. I, there's nobody backing me Adidas or I'm Nike not surprised. I'm speaking for it. And um, I mean, they'll probably hop right on board when they realize, okay, he can, he's very diverse and he can speak to all cultures. Mm. This is great. But I mean, that's not what I'm doing. I'm doing it because of. That's who you are. I said, yeah, my brands is my family. I've, I've, I have people in my family like that. I have, um, I have a set of twin uncles. Mm-hmm. One is, like, excuse my, excuse my language if I use the wrong terminology. But you know, he's homosexual. He, well, he likes men. He's gay. Whatever the case you want to call it, he likes, he likes mm-hmm. men. The other one, he can't stand to be around, you know, people that like the same sex. He can't deal with it. Mm-hmm. So I dealt with being around. You know, I've seen this firsthand. Mm-hmm. Or um, aggressive uncles, you know, domestic violence. Or uh, a depressed coach mm-hmm. dealing with um, post-traumatic disorder, stress disorder, you know, from being in wars and seeing that, you know, seeing killings and just being messed up and not yeah. being able to exp- talk about it. Talk I've about seen it. this firsthand. Or just like, you know, I say the people that play the biggest part I say sometimes in my life are the black sheep, alcoholics, um, mm-hmm. dope heads, homeless cats, because they told me exactly what not to be and they were an example of what not to be. And they told me these stories of how they got there and how, what, what I shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. So I see it firsthand. She's not, you know, don't do this. That's one thing. But if somebody shows you, you see why you shouldn't do this. Like I walk outside and see it every day. I'm around it. I'm around alcoholics and people that deal with depression and anxiety and an identity crisis. I become it. Mm-hmm. So not necessarily I've been there and I've done it, but damn, now I feel like it's like watching a movie. You know, you weren't there creating a movie. You know, you're not there, but you feel like you're part of it. So, I mean, that's like I, all these things I feel like I've um, I've been a part of. I've seen it firsthand from friends being, you know, touched and molested and or from friends being depressed or, you know, suicide, whatever the case was. I've seen it. I've dealt with it firsthand. And um, a lot of people, you know, they're going to tell me don't speak on it. Don't do this. Don't do that. And I'm not taking sides. I'm just telling it like it is. If I don't speak on it, literally, if I don't speak on it, who will? Mm-hmm. Can you tell me one person who will speak on it? And not from a biased standpoint. Right. Everything I say is in bias. Everything I say is love and positivity yeah. and understanding and the mutual respect. I'm not yeah. telling you to agree or disagree. Yeah. You feel me? Oh, yeah. That's so true. But Anthony, you, you talked on the, the cell phone usage. Yeah. I remember, like, before when there was no cell phone usage, like, you'd be at a bus stop and it'd be easier to talk to people, but now everybody's still so disconnected. Absolutely. I mean, so disconnected headphones. Um, I'm in my phone, but, you know, I'm around people. I try to put my phone away because... Mm-hmm. I mean, conversation rules a nation. Uh, opening your mouth, I say, can break or make somebody's day. You know, people you you know realize you have something in common with, or might be related mm-hmm. to, or know the same people by opening your mouth or being aware. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, I feel like, you know, I'd say, you know, you know, drive-bys and things <coughs> of that sort, car accidents and things, crazy, just crazy stuff happening. Mm-hmm. You're so busy recording it or in your phone, you don't realize it's even happening. Yeah. Or just not being aware of your surroundings. I got robbed. What were you doing? I was on my mm-hmm. phone. That's why car accidents, just whole type of crazy stuff. But mm-hmm. I say the main part is. Um, but I was talking to my mom. My mom says, I feel like a lot of people won't find love. And I say, well, why do mm. you say that? She said, because the person they're going to be with is going to walk right past them and not going to see them because they're going to be Damn. on their phone, on mm-hmm. Instagram. That's true. 
are on their phone doing that. Mm-hmm. That's the thing with like social media, right? Um, you're comparing yourself to the world yep. mm-hmm. instead of the people around you. Around you. And the thing mm-hmm. is with that is That's how true. is that when it comes down to being an athlete, right? Because you're seeing different athletes in different worlds where you can watch an instant, like a, somebody training on YouTube. Like how different is that? Like you being a boxer compared to how it was probably like in the eighties and seventies, isn't it much more harder now? Like um, it's, it's I say it'd be more harder to it's it's harder to market yourself. But I feel like it was better for the athletes because the athletes were actually out there with the people talking to them. Mm-hmm. That's how they had to market themselves. They're out there with the people. The people got to know them, not just doing interviews on Instagram. So right. A lot of people they have so many followers. People won't even they 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 would hesitate to even try to talk acknowledge to them. them yeah yes. and you do yeah i do like people are like i can't believe you even messaged me back yeah. like you're a celebrity i'm like dog i'm at home watching spongebob <laughs> <laughs> that's just hilarious yeah but like um so i think you no know, social media is great it's, it's a blessing but it's also a curse because um people they i mean I've, I've been guilty of it they try to have this persona of who they are and they're really not they mm-hmm. want the world to view them a certain way and who they're no, who they're really not. Yeah, especially on that, you see all the highs, right? But you never see the you lows. never see the lows. Mm. But the lows, I feel like I think that's the most that's the that's the best part. I, I mean, I speak when I meet people, I tell them, I don't tell me the good shit about you. I want you. I want to hear you know, things in your closet, things that you don't want nobody to find out. Right. Just tell me who you are. Mm. I want to hear you know I'm this and I'm that. That's mm. lies. Like yeah. if you, that was the case, like. You'd be president of the United States. Like, mm-hmm. you know, tell me the, the real, the dirt, you know. Yeah, everybody wants to be the president, but nobody wants to be a politician. Absolutely. You heard that before? I've heard that. I've heard that all the time, man. Everybody wants to be a superhero, not the sidekick. Mm. All types of terms you can use. But, um, I mean, I tell people, give me the funk, which means give me, you know, the real stuff. Mm. You know, not the artificial. Same way with, you know, makeup and all this stuff where guys, you know, the change and this and that. Just, like, covering up for who they really are, the people that they want to be, which goes back to rap videos and music and stuff you see on tv you know everybody wants to be this person yeah and so right now you're at 168 that's what i'm fighting at 168 168 Ooh. and you had three previous fights right now and um even though you can't give us anything but do you see yourself fighting before the end of the year or early in the uh, year or possibly december i'm working on it right now but if not absolutely january february um i want to get back moving man i'm still taking my time and you're trying to stay active because you were outside the lines for a certain period of time. Almost two years. I say a year and a half, but I mean, really almost two years. Mm-hmm. So you're well, at 168. How many fights are you trying to look for next year? Maybe like between uh, maybe five, maybe maybe six. I mean, at the max, because I mean, it's probably be big fights. So maybe even four. You mm-hmm. never know. What goes through your mind when you're shelved for those two years? You just... Are you just trying to stay focused, training, or are you just ready to throw in the towel and say... To be honest, you really think, what the hell am I doing here? What the hell happened? What went wrong? Mm. You know, you put so much in your life into, you know, one thing you're passionate about. You never cheated yourself on it. You're doing it consistently, time in and time out. And then it's just like, what the fuck? Really is it think even worth it, right? I mean, is it pro- I'm pretty sure you asked yourself. It's even worth it. It's not even like that with just boxing, but people do that in a day-to-day life. You're working the same end job. Same weak ass check, coming home to the same bullshit, and he's just like, man, what's life? What's life about? Mm-hmm. Well, that's how I felt. I was going to the same job, but I wasn't getting paid for a whole year. Imagine that, going to the same job every day, but not getting paid. Damn. Mm. I mean, you working overtime, putting in work, and hoping. Well, we're gonna pay you in a month, <coughs> and something happened to mm-hmm. your check. We're gonna pay you next two months. We're working on somebody to pay you. So I mean, um, like I said, a lot of people's not gonna agree with this, but 
you know, I don't care, you know, whoever you decide to pray to, like I said, whether it's Monster Moose or Allah, mm-hmm. whoever the case is. But when things are out of your control, man, and I mean, you've done everything you could do, you might as well just pray. You ain't got nothing to lose. You already lost everything else. So that's what I was doing. I just thought, I'm just going to pray. You know, mm-hmm. even when things got really bad, my girl would tell me, man, just pray. Ain't nothing else you could do about it. And that comes down to depression, anxiety, identity crisis. When it's out of your hands and it's bigger than you, surrender to a higher power. I mean, what, what else can you do? Mm-hmm. Cross your fingers. Um, we're luckily that we live here in L.A. County and we have a fight coming up with Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. And um, yeah. <laughs> we talk about like all of our opinions. Like Gio has acknowledged that you have who? have a fury since day one, day one. chris you only one tyson I go, I go back and forth man back and forth fucking gauge lemon squeezing right you know fucking man he told me stay oh man yeah you might in the beginning i had uh deontay wilder yeah. just by his windmill punch right any given punch but then when i started um understanding the fight that he just won outside the ring that's the thing that i'm trying to get at Absolutely. like I, I believe he already won this fight already versus mm-hmm. deontay wilder based on what happened yeah What's your take on this fight? Everything from outside the ring and inside the ring. Um, I feel like he already won the most important battle is the battle called life that you win within yourself. Right. You mm-hmm. know, him opening up about his depression, him uh, talking about it, him being and putting himself in a vulnerable state. He grew two times as a man from the inside, not from what people see. A lot of times fighters lose a fight, not because of the man in front of them, but because of the man that they see in the mirror. Mm. Yeah. Everything's not right with yourself then everything won't be right when you step in that square because all your flaws come out in that square. So um, yeah. I feel like uh, he won the fight. He, I feel like he won the people, um, mm-hmm. you know, with the telling his story. The, the best thing you can do, I feel like, is open your heart up to the world. When you open up your heart to the mm-hmm. world, they can't do anything but love you for it. And you know what's crazy? Not to cut you off, yeah, but cool. what's crazy is that that happened after he reached, like, his peak, right? Yeah. He beat Vladimir mm-hmm. Klitschko, mm-hmm. Yeah. and then that's when – all the depression and all the hell broke happened. loose yeah. absolutely and usually man um when you come up well i mean i can put a good household but i got to a point where we didn't have anything you know the money all that shit all that shit you look at people that have that and you think man i would give anything for that not knowing they're suffering more than you are like i said material things that can be bought they come and they go but people loved ones peace your sanity mm-hmm. that doesn't come and go when you lose it you lose it so, I mean, the fact that he, he uh, you know, he bounced back from it. A lot of people don't bounce back from that dark place. He's talking about doing, what, almost 200 miles an hour, and his Lamborghini is going to crash into a wall, and he saw his kid's face and in, mm-hmm. in, in his mind, Damn. and he pulled over. You know, everybody's been to that place, but people won't acknowledge that or talk about it. Everybody, you know, suicide is just saying, fuck it, it's crossed your mind. Is it okay to feel that way? You know, it's never okay to say I'm going to end it. But you know what it's not okay to do? It's not okay to not talk about it. So this is off the topic, but anybody that feels that way, mm-hmm. it's okay. Excuse my language, but it's my mother should tell me. It's okay if you're fucked up. Mm-hmm. But the main part is accepting, okay, I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. And the next step is accepting it, looking at it, calling for what it is, and how you're going to attack it and deal with it. It's okay to not feel okay. It's okay to not be okay. What it's not okay to do is to keep it inside and not talk about it, whatever the case is. You have to talk about it. So um, I think Wilder, he won the fight called Life. Even if he loses this fight, Fury. he's, he's still, Fury. I mean, Fury, my fault, not Wilder, but uh, Fury, <laughs> even if he loses this fight, he's still going to be the champ to the people. He can get knocked out in the first round. People are still going to love him. Now, Wilder, um, he's a you know, great fighter, world champion, but 
he's uh you know things that he does and that he says is very contra- contradicting to what he what he wants to be or who he's mm-hmm. training to be you know i was always taught don't be what you're not mm-hmm. and you're not gonna be who you who, you, who you're not just you know stick with what you know and i feel like he's just trying to do some off the wall stuff man i mean the rhyme talking and this and that <laughs> and i just i don't know man just you know just stick with what you know you know yeah. if you if you got two left feet don't try to be a dancer you know i the thing with fury that is interesting is the fact that i'm not sure if you saw when fury was was at the press conference with klitschko yeah he was like behaving like had a costume like batman and stuff like that but the thing is um leading up to the fight what he said was that he isolated himself from the family and he became independent training by himself from everybody and he's doing the same thing too with this train at big bear mm-hmm. and now he's at the with Barry roach my thing with, with Fury is like he passed away already. He just reinborn himself with what could have been. He could have easily died this past year. Like you mentioned, right? You came at the top. And I feel with Wilder, you're absolutely right. I believe he's not like original. He's trying to be something that he's not. And that's my take with Deontay Wilder that even though he proved himself like he has a heart against Luis Ortiz, I just feel when you're in the ring with somebody that has passed away and that's come close to death, something that you know, Deontay Wilder could do it with a single punch, but Fury, he scares me, man, because that's all of us are going to come face with death at one point. But the way Fury did it was the fact that he was actually alive after it. And I think that's what happens with that. And that's why I have Tyson Fury now, though. Yeah. The, I say that the most dangerous fighter to fight is a fighter that has a, um, a serious purpose, not a purpose for wealth, not a purpose of legacy, not a purpose of um, notoriety. Or for fame, but a, a purpose of fighting for something that's bigger than themselves. Mm-hmm. Fighting for something that you're gonna fight for until the day you die. You can't beat a man like that. Mm-hmm. Majority fighters fight because they like boxing. They like what comes of boxing. They like how they like being viewed as a boxer. But something like that, something that's bigger than yourself. Right. You know, you have a, you have everyone behind you. That's a dangerous fighter to fight. And you're gonna be at the fight. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, that should be a good one. But um, oh, go ahead, go ahead. So Anthony, um, sometimes uh, the dark side of boxing can intervene. Um, politics, you yeah. know. What would you do if that dark side of boxing tries to get in the way of your purpose? My politics. Well, if it tries to get in the way of, of if politics tries to get in the way, oh, you've seen it. You know, we've seen it been. We've seen it happen before, mm-hmm. and that was you no know, Ali. Yeah, civil rights and him, uh, but not doing the draft. I was raised that a man is not defined by how tall he is, how much he weighs, how much he lifts, how many girls he has, how much money is in his pockets, by by a set of core principles and morals in his heart that he's willing to die for, whether you agree with them or you don't. So when politics gets in the way, if I don't agree with it, then I'm willing to die for what I believe in. I believe that, um, you know. They want me to, if they want me to fight, and all my funds go towards a, a war or something like that or something I just don't agree with, right? Then I won't fight. If they boycott me, you know, I never fight again. That's fine. Politics gets in the way. Politics isn't more important or bigger than what's inside of me. At the end of the day, I have a say, so I have a choice. I have a voice. Mm. You know, mm. and we've seen it. We've we've seen it happen before. Yeah. So mm. a, a lot of people though they won't. Everybody fights for what the cash. And I, at one point, did. Until I realized I'm fighting for something bigger than me. I'm fighting 
for people that will never see me and I'll never see. Mm-hmm. At what point do you re- do you realize that? Man, uh, hmm. you ever, uh, well, I have to say this for you to understand, you ever, you ever listen to like, uh, you know, R&B albums and it'd be like a dope ass album and you didn't know the album was so dope because, you know, their wife died or their wife left him uh-huh. or their boyfriend broke up. You know, that pain or like. The uh, tragedy. Yeah, tragedy. Mm. Poetry. You know, it's beauty in the, there's beauty in the darkness, beauty mm-hmm. in the tragedy. Well, with all that being said, when you suffer to like a certain extent, it opens your eyes and gives you another perspective of enlightenment, mm-hmm. of beauty, of intellect, mm-hmm. a different view. I call them um, c- compassion glasses. Compassion glasses mm-hmm. allows you to see something for its weaknesses and not its strengths. You feel me? So when you go through so much like that, it changes your view on life. So I feel like I went through so much hell and just bullshit and chaos. I got to a point where it enlightened me, opened my eyes up, and it's like, man, why the hell did I go through this? And when they hit me, like I was reading the book, and I was like, I went through this, not for me, but for others. I went through this to share the story for others. I, I'm paying this price right now so that another little boy, another little girl, yeah. when they go through this, yeah. I'll be able to tell them, look, this is how you get through it, boom, boom, boom. Just like that. Mm-hmm. So they don't have to go through it. I mean, if you want to go back to, you know, ancestors and stuff you know they say they paid the price for us or even your ancestors they paid the price for you guys to get here wherever the case was i'm paying the price for maybe a little boy or girl i'll never see or meet might be generations down the line but i said this is bigger than me Mm. and a lot of people won't comprehend that a lot of people think it's stupid that's dumb whatever the case is i feel like i'm about to make a big effect on this real dog it might be after i leave this world that's cool with me i think you already did honestly yeah (laughs) for those who are looking for those people Seriously. who are listening, uh, I encourage you guys to look up his interviews. I appreciate um, it, man. Anthony Sims Jr. Because we only have a certain amount of time that we get to talk. And I know you have a lot to say. And you said no. a lot in the interviews. And you've said a lot of powerful stuff. It's so cool, I encourage man. everybody to listen to it. I mean, if you it. guys have any, like, no deeper questions or deeper stuff you want to go into. Because people are going to listen to this and yeah. hear this. And if I can help them out, I'm all with it. You know. So, like I said, there's no surface you guys I do have one on. for you. Um, oh, here we go. <laughs> All right. What will your message be for someone who feels like they're down and out, who feels like there's no light at the end of the tunnel, someone who feels like they're against the ropes and they can't fight back? Um, I would tell them that as long as long as you're living and have life in your body, it's always going to be adverse. It's always going to be trouble. And you can't have light without darkness. It's part of life. (laughs) But um, I would tell them that. with adversity comes blessings. It's part of life. You know, as you get closer to your blessing, the more adversity, the more hell, the more craziness comes. And really, when when I dealt with that, when I got to a point where I feel like my back is against the ropes and I, I was like, I was suffocating, I couldn't fight anymore. Gus ran into a higher power, dog. I hate to keep coming back into a God, God, God. But, I mean, I'm not the most religious man in the world, you know. I saying I do things wrong. I'm not perfect. I'm far from it. But one thing I will do is I'll surrender to a higher power in a minute. And not just because I'm going through hell, but just in general. And um, last thing, if you're going through hell, you know, and you, you know, you're in a wheelchair or you're blind, whatever the case is, you know, keep on fighting. But for those of you that have all your limbs, all your senses, you can walk, you can talk, you can read, you're perfectly fine. Anything's possible within 24 hours. Mm -hmm. You know, there's always a brighter day. It's cliche. But as long as you have breath in your body, that's a blessing right Mm -hmm. there. Anything's possible, Mm -hmm. man. You know how many homies I got? Or how many successful dreams and stories never made it was supposed to be successful because they're dead and gone in the cemeteries? My mom used to always tell me the uh, greatest athletes and doctors and poets 
all in one place. And I'm like, where? Was that L.A.? She's like, no, cemeteries. Never hear about them. Mm. But the fact that, you know, you yeah. have breath in your lungs and you're alive, man, anything's possible. Yeah, and then no matter how bad you have it, there's some there's somebody who has it worse than you. Always. Everywhere. It's, it's a big world. It's a oh. lot of people. It always is. Know? Always is. Um, you're never alone. That's why I speak about what I speak about because just looking at people, you never be able to tell. You know, he suffered through that. He's, de- he's dealt with depression, anxiety. He's dealt with, you know, he's dealt with, 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 <laughs> with life on, on, on the hard side. So just expressing it, just, just talking to people. And that's a very powerful to- topic, right, that people don't talk about. No. And a lot of people, <coughs> myself included, like I don't know too much about it, but mental health, how would you um, define it? Mental health. Um, well, <coughs> mental health, uh, there's, there's, there's different mental health. Basically, it's, um, it's, it's mental illness. It's something inside your mind um, that, that you feel. And it's not, it's not fake. It's not, um, it's not an illusion. People think it's just like, people think it's... Um, they think you could just snap they, out yeah, of it. They think, they think it's not real, mm-hmm. right? Depression, anxiety. Um, I can't give you like the whole... The whole like definition. You know, yeah, doctor. It's your own definition. interpretation. Absolutely, but um, anxiety, you know, getting nervous and not be, knowing what to do, or autism, not know what you're socially awkward. You can't really you no know, socialize. You feel right. a certain way about it. Um, there's so many of them. You know, can't name all of them, but for mine, mine was de- depression. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was in the darkness when I was around people. I felt alone and helpless when there's people right in front of me. Mm-hmm. Um, anxiety. I I would get nervous and I couldn't speak, couldn't talk, couldn't move. Felt like I was, couldn't breathe. Um, I was socially awkward. I couldn't socialize. I couldn't speak to people. I couldn't couldn't do any in anything basically at one point. Mm-hmm. And um, with all those with all those you know those different feelings that you may feel, there's one path that connects all three of those that a lot of people take, and that's suicide. Mm-hmm. If you've ever been trapped in your own mind, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Not saying like, you know, your girl broke up with you or you're broke and you're like, man, fuck it, end it. No, when you're trapped inside your own body, it's like you're looking out through your eyes, but like it's just like you're just, you're stuck. And as a child to feel that, a lot of children deal with depression and anxiety, but you know what? They can't speak on it because yeah. mm-hmm. they don't know what they're feeling in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, Man, I, I can... I can feel it, like, like you know, like what I felt back when I was a kid. Like I was trapped, man. I felt like I was really trapped inside my own body. Yeah, and there's a lot of people that think that there's no help to these no, issues, no, no, right? It, it, it so is. I want to talk about uh, to what are certain things that you did to kind of overcome that. Um, the first thing is um, I had somebody I can speak to about it. So that's my mother. But everybody, you know, you might not have a mother. Yeah. It could be anybody around you, somebody that you trust, or mm-hmm. uh, an OG. OG was 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 the main thing. And I uh, just haven't belief in myself that I can get through the situation. You know, everybody thinks these negative thoughts and you may feel this way as far as mental illness. But I think it was just just uh, opening up about it, just having someone to talk to about it. Mm-hmm. And then being able to take that energy that you feel, you know, you, when you're depressed, it's not just like a load that you feel. You feel angry with it. Mm-hmm. You, you may become aggressive. Everybody reacts differently. But taking that force, that suffering that you feel and putting it into something. So it doesn't have to be a physical force. Be a verbal force, spiritual force, whatever you want to do. Read, um, like I said, poetry, pottery. It's just, um, man, it's crazy, dogs. I never thought that I'd be talking about, you know, dealing with this as a child. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, really. Like, you know, days where you, you know, eight years old and you like, I don't want to live anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure as a kid, like, you would think, like, no. this is just me. Like, I can't, 
be better than this or I can't overcome this, right? As a if kid, you're a kid and that's yeah. been a norm your whole life. Yeah, I mean, you're a kid, uh, you always wonder why me. It doesn't get any better. Mm-hmm. And you guys listen to this, I mean, if you've been in that position, just know you're not alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, clo- the only thing I can, I, can, I can say is close to it, I say it's foreign depression or something like that, as if you turned off the lights and you got locked in a room. Mm-hmm. Not knowing you had the key in your pocket the whole time. Mm-hmm. And you're locked there. It's pure quiet. Can't see, can't feel nothing. And to be trapped in your own mind, bro, it's like a nightmare. And a lot of kids won't find that key, no. right? No, and, and it's there the whole time. The key's within themselves, but nobody's here to tell them then. Mm-hmm. But I say the main part is just talking, opening up about it. Right. So you don't feel so bad, like, okay, I don't feel this way. Talking about it. I'm not saying it's going to go away. It's not going to go away overnight. It won't. I'll be lying to you if I told you that. I'm not going to tell you, yeah, man, keep on fighting on and keep on on. Life is the hardest fight in life, and it's an ongoing fight until the day you die. Everybody deals with their own illnesses and suffers in different ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's a fight you're going to have to fight. Yeah. And the good thing is you don't have to fight it alone. It's not a boxing match. You got mm-hmm. you got a whole army, a whole squad with you. Yeah. Now, I just To me, it's weird. I, just encountering you, just I'm being like straight legit with you. I appreciate it, man. Because it's almost like you're a glitch, a glitch. on the <laughs> no on the sport of boxing. Oh yeah, mm. it's just something that I'm not used to and be accustomed with. I saw Southpaw, I saw all the creeds, I saw all the Rockies. I get it. I see what how all the stereotypes comes into the mainstream yeah. culture, right? But when I see something like this, like, hey, wait, hold up, like you're you don't fit the narrative, you know. And I think that's one thing that I take away from just my encounter with you that I'm just so like, and I'm not kissing ass or anything like that, dude. It's just being straight up with you. I'm just shocked that w- the, the energy that you, not when I'm, the energy that you give with us, but also the energy you give with other people. Mm-hmm. And I'm just so star. Even like your an- your answer, like regarding what do you see yourself from five years is just totally <laughs> Helping like others. <laughs> shelf shocking. Yeah. Like yeah. it's so like unselfish of you to give that type of answer. And it's, and it's a blessing to me to see something like that in the sport of boxing because honestly, that's what the sport of boxing actually needs. Absolutely. Instead I mean, of selling out. Not just boxing, but I mean, at one point on this earth, there's an athlete who he spread a message of love, positivity, and a mutual respect, and that was Ali. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you know, he's gone, and his teachings is dying right behind him. Mm-hmm. They're dying out. People are not talking about it no more. Mm-hmm. People are not preaching it anymore. They're not sharing it anymore. Yeah. So I feel like that's where I come into. Like I said, man, I've suffered a great amount, a great amount. And um, I don't know if you watched the last one, well, if you heard the last interview, but I started reading a lot when I started suffering. And I ran across this uh, Martin Luther King quote. And I don't want to read you no know, historic facts or nothing like that, but it said, um, as my, he said, oh, my personal trials have taught me the unmerited value of suffering. Unmerited means not deserved, mm-hmm. means you don't deserve it. He says, as my suffering mounted, I soon realized I could react in two ways, either in bitterness or I could respond and turn that suffering into a creative force. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, well, shit, if I'm going to suffer, I'm going to turn that suffering, I'm going to use it to help other people suffer. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to share my story and get it out there. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I'm sorry, man. I kind of stumbled when you asked me about the mental illness because it's just like uh, no, sometimes. These, these are real reactions, Yeah, these, these are real reactions, no, it's man. Not, it's uh, not scripted. It's yeah. not a, you're not reading off a paper or anything. Not, not at all, no, man. You ain't Deontay Wilder. Uh, it, makes me, it makes me flash back to, you know, dealing with that. Mm-hmm. And the reason I deal with that, I've been staying away from it. But, like, um, people that actually know, you, do you really know what mental illness is? That's at the age of six, I lost my father to suicide. And, um. The way I dealt with it, I lost really the ability to read and write. I was able to write before I could speak. 
lost the ability to speak to. And then I lost my brother um, three years ago to suicide. It blew his brains out. You know, seeing that, seeing him pass away. I'm not seeing him pass away, but seeing him um, die slowly, seeing him suffering. You know, the blood coming out of his nose, his ears, his mouth, and telling him, like, you know, just let it go. Like, it's all right, bro. And then watching my brother, you know, his last heartbeat, you know, feeling it in his hands. Leave, you could feel the life leave their body. You could feel death come into the room. Really, it's a smell and it's a, it's a feeling. Dealing with that, a driving man insane. You know, losing your house, losing the car, your mom putting you out. Feeling like you're not loved, like you're not cared about. Like, does anybody give a fuck about me? You know, feeling that. True hopelessness, where you feel like it's all or nothing. I don't care anymore. I've been there. So the fact that I've been there, and I would say a lot of people don't, man. They don't come back from it. I'm talking about a lot. My, my father, my father didn't come back from it. And he, he destroyed my life. You know, I hated my father for a long time. I hated him. Because I was like, you know, you left me. You left me by myself. Me and my five sisters. You got teased. I got beat up. Got robbed. Lost. I lost everything. But um, besides that, um, yeah, you know, a lot of people, uh, a lot of people, um, don't make it out of all these things that you talk about. But most people won't even talk about it. Yeah. So we commend you for even like, uh, coming up here and talking it, about this, dog, because <laughs> that's some real shit. Huh? It's real shit, but you know, um. A lot of motherfuckers ain't real no more. Everybody's artificial, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Just how we talk about the social network stuff. People yeah. look at the highs, but <coughs> nobody looks at the lows. Mm-hmm. No, man. I mean, being honesty, I was always told there's not enough room for honesty and emotion in the same room. One got to go. Yeah, I mean, to me, to put it in my perspective with you is uh, you're not going to have a problem knowing who you are because you already know what type of man you are. And another end from it is the fact that you're the complete opposite of Floyd Mayweather. And I'm not talking about being great inside the ring. I'm talking about being great outside the ring. Absolutely. And I think I such it. a contradiction, the fact that your relatives with that family is kind of just... And that's not like to put you against the ropes, but that's just yeah. to use that's this yes. as an example. Mm-hmm. Like I appreciate it. Two people who are come from the same, same you know... Thing. Yeah. That's, yeah. And lives are just so different. I appreciate it. Like I said, being a product of your environment, that's not always the case. You know, mm. I had every right to be a dope boy. Uh, abusive, domestic violence, all that shit. But I chose to be different. I came from the same background Floyd came from, the same boxing b- background, same blood, same everything, upbringing, everything. Mm-hmm. But I chose to be different. Yeah. So, um, yeah. it's it's almost like, I mean, the messages are just counter. Everything you see on, on Mayweather is like social media. People like want to be that, but it's all like, mm-hmm. it's all just like a facade in a way yeah um, it is and it's it's crazy because it i feel like i don't want to assume things but i'm not sure if he has peace i feel like you have peace I, and and you right i feel like i'm gonna walk away this healed a little bit That's good with, some, with some more peace I'm, I'm happy i could do that you know people don't understand the purpose of relationships the purpose of relationships is to exchange information so that mm. one another leaves better in the way they came but that's mm. a man and a woman man and man woman and woman so I'm happy I could do that. You know, me sharing a couple, of, you know, shedding a couple of tears and sharing pain mm. with you will bless you. And um, it's just funny you mentioned that because um, my tenure with my job is coming to a close end in December 21st. Okay. And and I was talking to uh, a couple of my coworkers and I was acknowledging that I don't care about the work, honestly. At the end of the day, I don't give a shit about the experiences, given the fact that at the end of the day, all I care is about the relationships I've built because that's going to stick together forever. Absolutely. Um, man relationships they've made me everything i am just ran, random people dog just mm-hmm. r- no random 
from black sheeps in the neighborhood and just it's off the wall but like uh you know i still live in long beach i could have moved to santa monica burbank hollywood right yeah. all of us are from long beach well, yeah, well, yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah. i live on uh i live on fifth and cherry hey oh, okay yeah. so okay. It's interesting a, i was supposed to move but i didn't move i still live in my building because of uh, a homeless man who lives in the alley I ain't gonna tell you his full name, but his name's David. Uh, David was one time 14 and 0 as a professional boxer from Long Beach in the 80s. Very oh, successful, um, big time boxing, uh, big time boxer. David got hooked on heroin, and he's still battling, still stuck on heroin. He's like in his 50s, uh, clean Mexican cut guy. You wouldn't know that he was, you know, on dope unless you pay close attention or you knew people like that. But he's in and in and out of his sister's house, and sometimes he sleeps outside most of the time with his boys, with his gang. Works a job, f- f- let's say, a uh, functioning uh, heroin addict. I still live there because every day I come outside, I see David. And me and David, we talk for 10 minutes, and then we talk for an hour, two, three hours. We have beers with each other. We sit and we talk about life. Every time I see him, every day, every morning when I leave my house at 4.30 in the morning, I have to start my car up. There's a gate that separates me <coughs> and his car. So when I start my car, I wake him up, and he always says, don't be a David. Go, go get a good run in. When I come back home, he's out there. And I talk to him, and um, he always tells me, you know, he shows me moves, sticking. That body shot I caught Aguilar with, he showed me that body shot. I'm going to show you guys a video. He's a sharp little Mexican dude. He always, you know, we have life, life talks. And there's another guy, him and this guy named Sergio. I still live there because of uh, Sergio's in a wheelchair. Sergio's about 47, has a family and shit. Sergio's from Mexico. Sergio got drafted out here. They wanted him to play for the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. He showed me a newspaper and everything, carries around with him. Sergio went to a party with some guys. He usually never parties, never drinks, and got shot in the spine twice. <coughs> right? So guys like that, I say uh, the unspoken, you know, un- unfortunate, the unheard. People that have stories. Mm-hmm. They had blessings. They had gifts that you'll never hear about. I feel like I'm the voice for them. Mm-hmm. And um, Yeah, that's exactly yeah. how we feel when we listen to you because – a lot of these these topics are things that we won't even think about, right, yeah. on our daily lives. Yeah. Um, you never think about it until you put in that position. It's yeah. hard to think that way. Yeah. Um, you know, what it's like to be in a wheelchair, what it's like to not be able to speak. or When people bring it to your attention and they speak to you about it, it puts you in that perspective, and you're like, what the fuck? Like, what would I do? How would I deal with it? Mm. You know? So I feel like when you, you hear something enough, you believe it, whether that's good or bad. Like you said, in today's generation, gangster this, thug this, sell this, dope this, indication this. When you hear it enough, you believe it. Them cats ain't doing that. Mm-hmm. They just making money off you believing it. Now you're going out here doing it looking like a dumbass. Yeah. It's but funny because, like, this is supposed to be a boxing podcast. And for today, it's not. Man, and the ironic. Every time I do an interview, it's supposed to be a boxing podcast. Yeah, it, it, that's the irony <laughs> of it, right? And you're the boxer who's controlling this podcast right now. Well, mm-hmm. boxing is the smallest aspect about me, dog. It's a vessel. Right. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. Bigger than boxing, right? Right, it's yeah. a toy. I say I'm just God's vessel, and uh, I'm just using my life experiences, man, and share. You know, I love boxing, bro. I can honestly say, <laughs> if I didn't pick up a glove ever again, would I regret it? I won't say I regret it. I'd be happy with the fact that, you know, I made it as far as I did. Mm-hmm. But I would give me peace every night is knowing I did what I did while I had it. Yeah. Not 17 fights, but two interviews three interviews that possibly change the world and outcomes man i have i have my dms i still have about two thousand messages i gotta get back to but i take the time every <laughs> night so we got lucky <laughs> yeah man really i take the time every night and man, i read I through them now. and i send videos back and uh, people talk about they lost uh this one guy he sent a video crying and there's like imagine an hour long of instagram videos you know the short videos yeah. they're hour long 
he had lost his daughter to leukemia. Fuck. Right? He had lost her like a week ago. <coughs> he was crying and talking to me about it. And I told him what I should do. And I was like, you know, I never lost a child. I can't tell you that, but I said, I can tell you it's cherish her memory. And that, um, you know, she's a piece of you. You created her. So she'll never, ever be gone. When you look in the mirror, you'll see her. You know, same way I felt about my father. Like, I started crying. Like a guy who lost his, uh, he lost his father, him and his brother. He lost their father, and he says, you know, it's going to be our first fight watching without our father. What do we do? I said, well, you pop open the fucking beer, you put it in his chair, and you sit there and you watch the fight like he was there. Mm-hmm. Don't change anything up, you know. I was always taught one monkey don't stop the show. <laughs> just keep it going and just, you know, cherish his memory. And I got people sharing their their stories with me, and I'm like, wow, people really dealing with some heavy shit. shit way heavier than what I'm dealing with, but the fact that they're opening up to me about it. I talked about suicide, the effect it has on people. It's a domino effect. Mm-hmm. My father never seen me get married, never see me. He never seen me lace up my first pair of gloves. He'll never see me get my hands raised. And like I get emotional talking every time. There's so much shit he missed out on. He didn't get to see me um, skate. First time I put on a pair of skates, my first low rider, my first girlfriend. When I lost my virginity, I didn't get to tell him any of this shit. So people are calling me, telling me, man, uh, you know, I really want to kill myself. And all I could think about was my child. What, they, what is he going to do without me? And I tell people that, you know, suicide is a selfish decision. I'm not saying what you feel isn't real. But when you kill yourself, you don't kill just yourself. You kill your family. You kill a piece of them. My mother would never be the same because of losing my brother and my father. Mm-hmm. Which, um, you know, that's a whole other story. But the fact is I'm doing what I'm doing if I... If I, this, this is real drastic, but, you know, you won't believe it, but I believe it. If I was to pass away today, God forbid that. I know I did exactly what the fuck I was supposed to do while I was here. Mm. I lived my life to the fullest. No regrets. I'm not talking about regrets as in fun and bullshit. I mean, if anybody's listening to this show, you know, teenagers and, and girls, hey, dog, you know, girls and pussy come and go. Girls, dudes come and go. Money mm-hmm. come and go. Mm-hmm. But life, you know, treasuring friendships, family moments, laughs and good times and bad times. I lived a whole fucking lot of life. And if shit was the end of the day, I'd be really happy with the life that I lived. Because I lived it to the best. Mm-hmm. Even if it was ugly at times, it was bumpy, it was a storm, I still lived. And uh, I, tr- I I challenge people to live the same way. But I lived, hey, nut up or shut up, mm-hmm. live your life. And live it like nobody else is going to fucking live it. Because only you can live it. Mm-hmm. And don't give a damn. People judge you. Look at you this way, this way. It's your life to live. You only get one of them. That's the last thing I'll say before we go. Um, so I said my father, uh, he committed suicide. And uh, he left me a, he left me a letter. And I was supposed to say this with a Cougar next interview. He left me a letter, dog. Isn't that fucked up a fucking letter? Uh, I had half a day <coughs> of school that day. He didn't know I was getting out early. So my dad had walked backwards the whole time. Like, oof. You know, he walked backwards the whole time looking at me. And I thought it strange, you know, why he's walking backwards. And he said, I just want to look at you, son. I'm like, all right. So he's walking backwards. He gave me a kiss. He gave me this envelope. And he told me, don't open it until I get home. So I opened the envelope while I was there. And uh, my mom had picked me up, luckily. But the envelope said, one life, one love, one chance. Get one life to live. You have one love in that whole lifetime, and you have one chance to make that love come true in that lifetime. And that's how I live my life. Yeah, dog. So not to you know put things in a bad twist, but that's that's how you live your life. Bro.
You guys have any last words? You know, I knew coming into this show um, <laughs> yesterday, I was going to be emotional, and um, and and I'll be honest with you, I'll be on, I'll be straight up with you. Um, I um, I just uh, completed a Long Beach marathon this past last month, and um, committed like two and a half months training for it. After work, put in two or three hours and. Chris right here has been bothering me since like March, April, May, June. Hey, dude, like uh, if you want to do ringside commentating, like I'm like, uh, I'm like, nah, dude, I got something personal going on right now. I can't do it right now. I just got something distracted. And um, I'm not going to touch bases on what it was, but that's the thing why I give the edge to Fury. I needed to reinvent myself when I did the Long Beach Marathon. Uh, during that day, I ended up wearing all black. Um, I have a heart condition. Oh. And two of my closest people who I know, one I'm not with anymore, and the other person, uh, my mom, I didn't want to tell both of them because if I would have told them that I'm doing the Long Beach Marathon, they would have said, stop training, mm-hmm. don't do it, because mm-hmm. you're gonna more than likely going to pass out. And I just finished graduate school, and I figured, you know what? I have ran out of excuses to not do the marathon. So I ended up committing into this. I went completely incognito from my family and from my friends. And I just put in the work. And the thing is, the number 18 to me is never going to be the same anymore. Just because that is when I pulled all my calf muscles, neck strain. And my mind just started, like, confessing at the fact that you're going to quit right now. This is it. And my heart started beating more irregularly. And that's why I have a connection between Tyson Fury because I have faced that that point of of death in that marathon, and each single mile that I came through with that, I ended up. You don't train for a marathon. That's the thing. You don't train for twenty six miles. There's something about the last few miles in it that you have to um, confess to yourself that you're not you're not supposed to be strong, but you're supposed to have a heart to finish whatever accomplishments you have in life. And I was prepared to die that day wearing all black, just given what the tragic misstep that I have. We all have tragedies. Mm -hmm. And that's why um, I couldn't do it, Chris. I I needed to take some time, focus on myself, and get my shit straight. And um, and it was difficult coming after that finish line because I started crying. And I knew what I just accomplished. And... um, I was a broken man before I got into the marathon. Mm. It's okay, man. You can let it out. Otherwise, the marathon, you're not talking about the run. You're talking about your life. Yeah, so when I saw your your interview um, two weeks ago, I was like, oh, shit. Um, yeah, it's not even about boxing anymore. We covered this sport, and that's not about it anymore. It's the people who who do the sport that they're throwing their lives at the same time. Yeah, if you fight, if you train boxing, just do it for the fun of it. You understand something about yourself that we don't see, 
there's something in like that dog in you yeah. that something that you're trying to release you, you know what it really is most boxers uh they don't have the heart to say it but we want to be like you we box because a lot of boxers can't fight the fight called life the real fighters mm. people that die soldiers teachers mailman single parent mom <coughs> single parent dad dope fan alcoholic right the real fight in life we can't do it anybody can hide behind some gloves and hop in a ring and say mm -hmm. yay me take an L and a W in the ring but keep taking a life that's why a lot of fighters when they stop boxing they never bounce back when they had that first L in life we never come back from it because we tried to stay away from it our whole entire lives so we really want to be I say like you be able to open up and share it but they won't do that because what you rather you know hide behind a tough persona and in the limelight and show you this persona mm. well really we're just like you but we're not tough enough to be vulnerable and open up right. i appreciate you for sharing that with me dog well, i really yeah. appreciate it damn but i want to thank you for for coming on and wearing your heart and your sleeve the way you do um yeah for me uh my, my dad used to fight like as an amateur back oh, okay amateur and i remember he would try to you know he would want me to do the same and i was just so scared man it was a scary sport it's it's cool <coughs> man um you know it's one thing to be scared and be nervous mm -hmm. that's where courage comes in mm -hmm. you know, i'm always nervous mm. i'm nervous because boxing there's no telling what the fuck could happen the outcome is so right. crazy mm. being scared it means you never overcome your fears and it stops right there mm. you know and i could tell man him wherever the fuck he was dealing with he was scared he was really scared i can tell he was scared mm. what whether it's what would happen, how people view you, whatever the case was. But yeah, I, I, I don't. But courage, man. Ap after the marathon, I don't give a shit about death anymore. Absolutely. And that's why he's going to live his life to the fullest. People that live their life to the fucking fullest, dog. When you lose everything, you're not afraid to lose it again. Mm. And you realize the shit that you lost, it doesn't matter. The only thing you care about is life in general. I don't care about cars, clothes, mm -hmm. money. You know what? the dust we come the desert returned so fuck it i'm gonna go anyways i'm i'm gonna live my best life while i can mm -hmm. you feel me yeah it's deep people don't like to deal with it but i mean when you get to a point where you're like i don't care if death comes today or tomorrow not no fuck it like i want to kill myself point but you're like you know what i'm gonna die eventually so since that's the case i'm, I'm gonna live my life to the fullest mm -hmm. yeah i'm gonna be following you as long as i do this I think it's going to be a pleasure watching you because it's not that you're going to be influencing my life, but you're going to be influencing the world, whoever's watching you and listening to you. So it's been, it's been a hell of a pleasure. Literally. It's been a pleasure talking to you guys, man. I'm opening up about it. You know, so much, like I said, I have yet to, to share with the world, but I never thought I was special or different, but man, I really feel like I have this uh, this purpose. Yeah. Like I have to get it out. Ever since I was a kid, I feel like there's something about me different than everyone. Yeah. Not that I'm different than you guys, but I feel like there's something that I have to do mm. before I leave this earth. And I could leave this earth five years from now, ten years mm. from now, whatever the case is. Yeah. And the uh, only reason I feel that way is because there's many times where I should be going too. Um, mm. I was in a car accident when I was 13, and... Uh, from the car accident, I had swelling on my spine and put me in a wheelchair for mm -hmm. six months. 
can't tell you exactly what it was, but um, you know, my mom had to wash me up. She had to wipe my eyes, all types of crazy shit. Mm-hmm. So just to come back from that, from from that, mm-hmm. you know, I felt like man, it's it's a it's a, um it's a quote in the Bible that says you know ten thousand ten thousand may fall to my left and ten thousand may fall to my right, but I'm I'm still here. Right. You know, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. There's so many reasons why I shouldn't be here, but the fact that I am, dog, like, I got shit I got to do, and I got to take care of it. You know, mm-hmm. and I found out what I'm put here to do. I'm here to sh- share with the world the, the, what life really is mm-hmm. and bring light to the real fighters of this world, people that yeah. fight mental illness, physical problems, things that's out of your control, depression, mm-hmm. anxiety, identity crisis, whether you like men and you're a man, and like women, you're a woman, or dealing with the fact that you color your skin. These are re- this is real shit that you know people won't speak on. My girlfriend, she don't like me speaking on shit like that. Huh. But, you know, you get to a point in life where you're like, you know what, I know what's right and wrong. Yeah. Fuck it. I won't talk about it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm gonna do. If I don't, who will? You know, all great people were looked bad, frowned upon at one point. Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, yeah. Muhammad Ali, um, Rosa Parks, and I'm not just trying to name you no know, black, um, black um, civil rights leaders, but mm-hmm. just in general, yeah. they were frowned upon. But you know what? You got a set of morals and a code in your heart that you're willing to die for. You can do wonders in this world, whether it's good or bad. Mine just happens to be good and for the people, mm-hmm. for the real people. Whether you're black, white, yellow, blue, and the real people, I say the people that's fucking dealing with life, man, every day. Yeah. So it's just like that. All I can do is just clap for you. I appreciate Give it. Give you a standing ovation, say respect, because um, it's powerful. And we just want to let you know that is your home, man, whenever you want to stop by. Yeah. Because um, that, that message is powerful, and I feel like. Uh, it's, a lo- it's things that people don't want to listen to at yeah. times, but you kind of got to speak about it because mm-hmm. you never know. You, if you changed one life today, um, I think we're all going to be happy in this room. I appreciate it, man. I feel like it's ripple effect. You know, I felt this and I share with you and then share with <laughs> others. Yeah. And like something I wasn't going to talk about, but I don't know I feel the need to say it real quick. Um, yeah, go for it, bro. You know how they say, you know, it's not like big on the Bible, but I mean, I was raised that way. You know, thou shalt not kill. I always thought it meant like, you know, actually killing someone. Mm-hmm. But it's not that. It's you can kill someone's spirit, kill someone's mm-hmm. joy, kill someone's life. Yeah. But just with your words. So I think that's why I've been preaching positivity and love so much. Mm. You know, we kill people's joy every day with just mm. judgment, mm-hmm. not even knowing. Facial that's gestures, true. opinions, posts. So I thought I'd just say that because, I mean, all of us, we come from different backgrounds in life, whether we want to say it or not, whether you can see it or not, we are completely different from the inside. We all deal with shit different ways. We all have our own skeletons in our closet. Mm -hmm. So anybody listening to this, be less judgmental and be more open to speak to people. And you don't have to believe their beliefs, but respect them for believing in something. You feel me? Mm -hmm. I think that's a good way to close it out. That's a great way to talk about boxing. What a great boxing (laughs) interview. (laughs) It was never about boxing. It was never about boxing. Hey, that's it's right. Bigger. It's never about boxing. That's why I tell Eddie Harris. <laughs> and he says, mm. well, what the fuck is it about, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> I have a question. Why do they boo him so much in the UK? Um, I don't fucking know, man. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you. Like, don't, I'm not, hey, not going to ever speak on some shit I don't understand. Like, True. I don't mm. know why, like, you know. English people have bad teeth. Like, I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, you lost a lot of followers right I know, now. right? I was kidding, guys. <laughs> They're probably like, you're right, mate. <laughs> you're right. Wait, what? <laughs> what what did you say? Fucking gauge and lemon squeezing, right? 
<laughs> fucking wanker. Yeah, fuck. They said that fucking wanker. Uh, they say, I, I don't Adam and Ava, mate. <laughs> you were in Cardiff, right? Cardiff, man, I was in Wales. Oh. This shit was crazy. How was that? That was crazy. I went to a club afterwards. Oh, these, guys, these guys went to England. Yeah, I was there uh, last last year. Where'd uh, you go? No- November. I was in London. Where? where? Uh, I'm a soccer fan, so I... I went to watch my team Liverpool. Liverpool? Yeah. I got like a hell of homies in Liverpool. They always send me uh, these videos and Liverpool Yeah, that jerseys. shit gets crazy. It's crazy. You know, man. it was an away game, so I was wearing my Liverpool gear and shit. Where you at? In London? Yeah, in London. Oh, man. They are playing away. So. It was tough. I had a red jacket. They were red. Did you get a beard jump red on and shit. <laughs> Luckily, no. Dude, I sipped up. I had a jersey. I sipped that shit up. Dude, I was just better. sitting there just damn quiet that's, the whole game crazy quiet man. the whole game dude. yeah i don't i don't deal with the whole soccer thing i yeah. try i like the jersey wear and stuff but right yeah, i went to the club there and like i stuck <coughs> like a sore thumb in what way man every way <laughs> <laughs> like the way i stood the way i was dressed the way I talked. they was like what else mate i was like they cortez this guys what you mean he's like i like him like get him get me one <laughs> I'm like, i didn't bring a spare pair with me he's like well how much you want for him i have oh, i have, I have 200 goodness. pounds right here that's funny. I was like, no price for my Cortez right. is on me. I heard that they're bringing a fight to <laughs> to Anfield. I'm not sure. Something about yeah, a Caitlin sh- Smith. Yeah. Smith. I'll take to my Sheffield. Oh, Kel Brook hit me up today. Oh, what oh yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, somebody asked him like, "Who's his tough?" No, they said, uh, "What do you think about Anthony Sims Jr.?" And he was like, "They call him the magician for a reason." I was like, "Oh, yeah." Hey. Yeah. <laughs> who yeah. Who do you usually stay in touch right now? And, Professional boxers yeah. went out on, like, on, a, on, a, on a given day. Let's stay in touch with. Yeah, like somebody texts you, Is like like a boxer right now. Like, who do you stay in communication? You mentioned Kel Brook right now, but oh yeah, maybe Instagram. But besides that, um, man, I'm like really an old dude. Like everything is word to mouth. Like my homeless boy David, like he's he leaves me messages like in uh, like in the alley and shit, like in bottles. That's dope. Like by my door, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's dope, dope, right? Like in Coke bottles. I know it's his bottle because we drink Cokes with each other. Mm. But like, I like rather like uh, I wish I had a fucking pager, dog. I hate I hate phone conversations Page. because you don't know what somebody's thinking, what they're right. saying, who's around. Right. But you speak to somebody face to face, like eye to eye, you're like, yo, that's true. Homie, right, homie's full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, um, I see people I talk to every day, man. I won't say I speak to boxers. It sounds really bad, bro. I speak to like. Homeless cats and dope fiends mm. speak to anybody every day, like on a daily basis. Like they know where I'm going and where I'm headed. Like they watch my car at night, all types of shit. Like they wake me up. Like I'll be hearing shit and they like throwing rocks and be like, Anthony, somebody's by your car. He won't leave. <laughs> so I go out there and it's like somebody actually bought my car. I'm like, yo, get up out of here. I don't live in the hood or nothing like that. You know, I live in a decent area, but it's just <coughs> like those are the people I talk to. Mm. Those are people I was raised by, and um, they just the homies, man. Like. We do everything. Like sometimes, like, I come back and they're, they're hungry. We go, like, I live, it's a jack-in-the-box, like, across the street. We, like, go in there heavy, sit down and eat and talk. And um, those are the homies. Which, what do you get from Jack? I don't get anything. I get, the, usually, <laughs> I get like, an Oreo milkshake, but, you know, they usually want, like, this grilled chicken sandwich. My boy David, he likes a grilled chicken sandwich with the curly fries. You stay away from that stuff, right, when you, when <laughs> you train? Man, be honest, dog. I mean, you get, like, elite, elite, yeah, but <coughs> it ain't about what you eat. It's about when you eat it. Mm-hmm. So I eat nah, that shit. Okay. I, I eat honey buns like I love honey buns and donuts, bro. Yeah. I got some in the freezer right now. What did I sit after the marathon? What did I eat? <coughs> Twenty One pieces of chicken and. Hey, tu sabes, cabrón. <laughs> chips, right? You said chips. Oh yeah, yeah and to all my Latin followers. Gracias para todos los latinos. <laughs> Vivo México. 
Cuba, Puerto Rico, Guatemala. Say, you, you look a little Cuban. He's actually Mexican. He just doesn't speak Spanish. And the way. There you go. And the way. No. So, Anthony, I have a question. What's happening? Um, Who asked this question? I, I did. Okay. So, there's going to come a time where you're going to have to... He used his Batman that, that voice. That soft voice? Anthony. Anthony. Yeah, <laughs> I'm losing my voice. Batman. He, he tried to, to sound like a man. I'm, <laughs> 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 I'm getting sick. Wow. I'm getting sick. <laughs> so, there's, there's going to come a time where you're going to fight somebody that's like polar opposite that's going to bring the best out of you. Yeah. Are you looking forward to that day then? Yeah. Mm. I think it's already happened. Mm. You're going to meet your matchmaker? My mother. Mm. We got yeah. Yeah. a chancla. <laughs> the first time I got a bloody nose is from her. No, <laughs> bust me. You know, Athena women wear like five rings. Before she bust me in the nose. I'm like, what the fuck? But um, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to that Did day. Did you make the ten count or no? No, man. I, just, <laughs> I, said, I said, fuck it. Um, I'm looking forward towards that day. Um, the day it'd be like, you know, I find my kryptonite. Mm-hmm. But that'd probably be, you know, I have that tough fight, and that'd probably be like, you know, the fight where it's like, my, it's my going out fight. I don't want to do this for forever. Mm-hmm. I forgot like so much more to do. Boxing's my way of getting there. Mm-hmm. But I don't want boxing to kill that much time either. Yeah. You know, I'm talking about like, you know, traveling the world and not, you know, not just doing shit like, you know, everybody needs, you know, to help in Africa and fourth, uh, fourth, you know, fourth world countries, things of that sort. But like, people down the street, it's random, but like, I was watching this interview with Ali and Ali said, they said Ali just walk in random places just to talk to people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't realize how much that you know that can make somebody's day. Mm-hmm. I was at the gym when I was six years old, and Sugar Saint Mosley walked in there, and it just he told me you're gonna be great. And I, I told him this like a, a year ago, and he was like, I don't remember that. Yeah, no fucking matter. It's the fact that you did that. Yeah. So yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like you know my greatest, my greatest achievement in life is not gonna be a championship or a title. It's gonna be a person. Mm-hmm. The effect, yeah. little boy or little girl, it's gonna be somebody. Like I said, I might not ever meet them, but they're gonna see and hear me. That's all that matters. Mm. Ali, he never met me. When he did meet me, he was dead. I went to his funeral, mm. and he passed right by my. I passed right by the car, and I touched the car. Mm. I thought that's all I needed to do. I knew right then and there, like, okay, um, I, he passed me the flag. Mm. They had Sugar Shane Mosley. I mean, a Sugar Ray Leonard, then Ali. Floyd Mayweather's not in that category. Mm. Not as far as for the people. Is anybody right now for the people? In the United States? No. That's where I come in. And the world, man. It's a takeover. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got fans in England, Switzerland, Russia. I got people to send me shit. I got to put in Google Translate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, um, it's just a ripple effect. You know, the crazy thing is I'm trying to fulfill my purpose right, and you guys are getting to this. So um, this may be like my new little my new little gang or something. Mm-hmm. You guys are interviewing me you know, right when I'm, hit, when I'm hitting up, but... People didn't pay attention to me to give me the time of day. They didn't give a fuck if I was eating alive, mm-hmm. what the case was. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm going to remember this with you guys and hopefully we create something like the Latino yeah. Dream Team or yeah, some there shit. You go. Yeah, yeah. There uh, you go. Oh, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. He's a fucking gringo. What do you yeah. mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny because I, I was telling them um, throughout the podcast, there's something about certain fighters that you can respect them, but it's it's hard for me to become a fan. Mm-hmm. Like, they have they have like that charisma but some, something good like that good nature that the good heartedness um previous and, th- and these guys know like previous fighters that you know that i that i really you know enjoyed them as like as a boxers and uh, as people mm-hmm. have been triple g and sergio martinez because they just have that, that oh sergio o- mm-hmm. i'm sorry about what i said to him dog <laughs> martinez yeah oh no that's a different guy my fault <laughs> oh no 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 <laughs> no, no it's, it's something about that aura that 
you know that charisma but where you know they they just they just give out this, this oh he thought he said Sergio Mora no yeah, <laughs> yeah I know I what you're saying know. it's the energy they give off you know yeah. and that's what I've been trying to do I'll try to make the energy I give off yeah. contagious mm-hmm. and um, you know to people there's nothing better than you feeling bad and somebody makes you feel good mm-hmm. and I mean I have that ability no matter where I go I, you know, I give people smiles and jokes and and um, I mean I appreciate it you being a boxing fan mm-hmm. if I can make you want to watch fights like Ali people watch all these yeah. fights all across the world, you know, stuck to glass, to the to the fucking TV. If mm-hmm. I can do that, not just for boxing, but just in general, I'm happy I can do that. Mm-hmm. So like you, you said Mosley talking to you, it kind of reminds me of when Ali talked to Tyson. Yeah, I mean, we yeah. talk, he got in the ring and told him, you know, whoop Larry, Larry's ass. I get, oh, I'm talking about some other time where uh-huh. where Tyson was younger. He was like oh, 13. Younger? Oh, that's and, dope. And Ali went to his gym and like, oh, are you guys gonna be champs and like. Tyson kind of believed it. That's why I said words, man, <coughs> make or break you words. Like I said, the tongue is very deadly. Mm-hmm. You can create life in someone or just tear it down. So mm-hmm. the fact him saying that he planted a seed inside me that just flourished with mm-hmm. each other champion, you know, Mike Tyson telling me, you're going to be great here. Lennox Lewis, Evander Holyfield, whether they're lying or full mm-hmm. of shit. Have you met Mike Tyson? Have you won? Yeah, me and Mike Tyson, that's yeah, good friends. Yeah, he's good friends. Hmm. Me and Mike Tyson, good friends. Um, who else am I good friends with? A lot of old people. Mike, Mike Tyson, he's a really good friend of mm-hmm. mine. He remembers my name, my mother's name, um, Zap Judah. Uh, me and Luis Arias are really close. Um, I don't. I, I say a lot of fighters though. We don't see uh, eye to eye because I'm not a materialistic person. Mm-hmm. I don't care for the limelight, and that's all they're thriving and driving for. Mm-hmm. You know, I wear and do and say the same thing every day, so I don't really fit in that that category. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, see, you say you trained out of the crunk for a while. Yeah, I trained out of the crunk. I was in Armenia when uh, I found out. I found out that um, Manny died. Manny Stewart. Yeah, Manny died. So uh, anybody that watches me fight, I wear Crunk trunks, not because I'm still part of Crunk. Um, I mean, I'll always be a part of Crunk, but I wear it because the legacy of Manny has to live mm-hmm. on somehow. Mm-hmm. And his own fi- some of his own fighters don't wear it. You're the guy, too. You yeah. are the guy. I feel like, yeah, I, feel like I was going legacy. out for a lot of big fighters. Like Roger Mayweather, I was with him right before he got to the point where he's at now. Right. But I spent a lot of time with these great fighters um, before these great coaches, these great, you know, these great people before, you know, it was too late. So I feel like, you know, they all passed me in the torch in one way or another. You know, that old school funk, boxing, personality, and just this this vibe, this contagious vibe in general. It's like it's all them living through me mm-hmm. vicariously, and I'm just spreading it, man. Some days I don't feel like myself. Like I feel like I'm somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, even songs, like, it's scary, man. Even, like, songs I hear and shit, it's scary, dog. Some songs, I'm like, how the fuck I know this song? Right. Old stuff or places I recognize, things of that sort. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm on a mission, man, and I don't feel like there's a man that can stop me, not necessarily because of my skill, but because of God's will. If it's his will, it's going to happen, whether you want it to or not. Like, you know, if it's God's will, you go bald in two years. It's going to happen. Oh, <laughs> you want it. No more Romeo Santos haircut. You're done. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but um, hopefully we see you in action soon, man. Huh? See me in action, bro. Before my next fight, I'll be right up here talking to you guys about it, chopping it up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. Show. Yeah, yeah bro. I'll bring some, uh, bring some Modelo. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, he woke up here at that. We have a little tradition here against the ropes. We usually get buffalo wild wings after. What? What kind? Boneless? Man, any any kind. Yeah. I like I like the well, traditional. What you guys about to do it tonight? Every Thursday. Yeah. Every th- I'm down Thursday. I can't do it tonight. It's my skate night. No problem. Oh, oh you skating? Oh, come on, fool. Tonight? Yeah. Where? Skate, skate, skate. Uh, wow. Skating rink. Okay. It's, it's uh, cool. I think your girl's there already. Yeah. You better go now. No, she, ain't <laughs> she, <laughs> don't, she don't yeah. skate. But, um, oh, no? 
Yeah, dog. Or y'all can kick it on Sunday if you're not doing shit. Low rider. Low rider where? Uh, I low ride on uh, Compton Boulevard and Broadway. I got low rider. Damn, you just told the whole audience. Damn, you yeah. everybody's gonna come follow you. It's cool, man. Come down there, and you get a taste of you know. Might knock you on the window. Hope my girlfriend don't leave. All right, man. So okay. we're gonna let you uh, close <coughs> us out, man. Any last words? Last message? Follow you on Instagram. We'll link all that stuff up, man. But okay. Any last words for you? Last words. Um, let me see. Actually, yeah, I got something. I had, I had wrote it down. You wrote something down for us. Yes, I did. It's special. I wrote down. I see. Set the blind man to his death wife. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 I did write that down, but it wasn't for this. Make sense, right? That's why I tell people when they be tell when I be talking to them, and I feel like they're just not listening, mm-hmm. or like what they say don't make sense. You know what's interesting? My professor, he passed away, but he said uh, I was in English class, and he was like, "If you're confused, you're in the right track." What? <coughs> like what? I guess so. <laughs> but um, I would say, man, the biggest lie ever told is practice makes perfect. Hmm. Practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes permanent. Whatever you practice is what the hell you're gonna do. So if you hey. practice it, practice it right. That's anything in life. Oh, yeah. And if you're wrong, it's okay. Because, you know, a broke clock is right twice a day. You're not always going to be right. Hmm. You know? Hmm. You're going to be wrong a lot of times, but as long as you get it right, that's all that matters. Hmm. True. You heard that from a magician. (laughs) Anthony Sims Jr. Antonio Montano Morales, tup, 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 Rodriguez. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my middle name is No Me Diga Que No. (laughs) Damn, you go dancing there. That's what's up. Yeah, it's a better nickname than Joyce Sinclair. Oh, <laughs> Joyce Sinclair. Yeah. We'll tell you off air. We'll tell you off air. It's the like uh, against the ropes. It? Number one. We out. Oh, okay. I got you. <laughs> against the ropes. Against the ropes. Number one. Freddie Roach. Thank you very much.